And now, introducing the man who earlier this year bet me that if the Orioles ever went more than two weeks without a win, he would let me produce his show. The man who once counted all the dimples in a golf ball using only his tongue. A man who is on record as saying, and I quote, Wow, those are some really big dogs during the running of the Preakness before attacking the all-you-can-eat buffet. He is Glenn Clark. That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. You, you kind of <laughs> rope a dope me. You were like, oh, it's not that good. That was pretty good, man. Oh, that was well, not a bad effort. Yeah, it, it only took me about an hour and a half to write it last <laughs> night. So, Good morning from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of Pressbox. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Glenn Clark joined this morning by our friend Paul Valley from the Bat Around. Paul, do me a favor. On MixLR, that middle one, bring that down just slightly, if you don't mind. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, it's good to be back. Hope uh, everyone had a uh, peaceful and relaxing, um, reflective Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I know that uh, it's always an awkward conversation to have because it's the summer and we're going to have fun. That's the way it goes when you get a three-day weekend. But obviously um, what matters and what's important is far more significant than uh, trivial things like going to the pool or the beach or, or, or cookouts. But hope everyone was able to uh, relax and reflect and, and have a peaceful couple of days. Good to be back in studio. Lots to discuss today. Paul Valley is in for Kyle. Of course, you know Paul from the Bat Around every Saturday morning, 10 to noon, right here in these same locations, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, pressboxonline.com slash radio. He's in today, and then Zach from the Bat Around will be in the rest of the week with us. So um, hanging out with those guys while Kyle is off in Colombia. He says at a wedding, but... If I know Kyle, a trip to Colombia might be more about illicit substances. That's all I'm saying. If I, I, if the federales are, are listening, I, I'm just maybe, maybe, maybe the cavity search is, is necessary for Kyle <laughs> while he's on this trip. Coming up this morning, we're gonna chat with uh, Xavier Scruggs, uh, former big leaguer, now with uh, MLB Network Radio and ESPN. He called Orioles Twins yesterday for ESPN. So. He got to see loss number 14 of 14 straight. I'm sure when ESPN booked Minnesota-Baltimore for Memorial Day, they had to know there was at least a chance. There was at least a chance that the Orioles were going to be god-awful. Like, they had to know that before the season when they decided this is the game that we're putting on the network. I don't know, 14 losses in a row, god-awful. Yeah, probably not the case. Probably not that. But they had to know there was a chance it was going to be really bad. Um, we'll talk to Xavier Scruggs about that a little bit later on. Also, Jeremy Connell joined us. He normally joins us on Mondays, but of course we weren't here yesterday. So Jeremy will hop on with us today. Hopefully he will help me make some money tonight. And uh, we'll talk about the Orioles, the NBA playoffs, all of those things with Jeremy. A few things to touch on. Paul, you're, of course, everybody knows you're a baseball guy. Although today you're decked out in all purple, oddly enough, as yeah, I, I call I you a baseball guy. Grab the, easy, the the first shirt on top of the pile in the drawer today was and you And you match the hat with it. It's a, it's I, I a solid to, look. Couldn't yeah. do this in any orange-billed Orioles. I get it. I get it. I get it. No, it's a solid look. I like it. Um, I'm guessing you're not much of a lacrosse guy. I like lacrosse. It's funny. I was talking to Laurie yesterday. We were on the way back from um, Sunset Cove after lunch and I said oh my god the national championships today and this is the first year that there's been lacrosse where I haven't watched at least one game okay. I just haven't right. had the time but All right. All I'm right. into it I like lacrosse it was unbelievable yesterday mm -hmm. I mean it was absolutely unbelievable heartbreak obviously for Maryland who falls behind by four in the first half battles back ties it up falls behind by five in the fourth quarter they get back within one 
Then Virginia scores again, makes it 17-15. Maryland scores with, with 10 seconds left. With 10 seconds left, they score. So this is the, you know, the, the nice part about lacrosse is you can get another chance. You just have to win the faceoff. They win the faceoff. Mm-hmm. They get a great shot. I saw. They get a tremendous yeah. shot. Um, and the kid Rode from uh, St. Paul's just happens to make the save at the end. And so Virginia holds on. They win a second consecutive NCAA tournament. Obviously, there wasn't one last year. And for Maryland, absolute heartbreak as a previously undefeated season comes to an end uh, with a 17-16 defeat at the hands of Virginia. Um, a wild game. I mean, 33 goals matches the most ever scored in an NCAA championship game. It, it was a great advertisement for the sport. You know, like for a high-profile game where you might have had a bigger audience on a holiday, it was a great advertisement to the rest of the country for the excitement of lacrosse. That does not do as much for people locally as the disappointment of Maryland not winning the national championship. It doesn't sting nearly as much as all of the title losses stung when it went forty. They went forty-two years without winning one. Right. Like those stung a little bit more. It's easier to to stomach when you're only three years removed, four years now removed from Maryland actually having won a national championship again. So, like, it's not quite as painful as some have been, but it's painful. There's no freaking doubt about it. You lose like that, it's going to be painful. Um, thrilling game, you know, absolutely highly dramatic, unbelievable comeback. All Just so much great there except for the final result. Well, yeah, and, and it's tough when you have an undefeated season. You come into the, You get into the championship tournament, and you're ranked third. Yeah, overall, and so you want you want them to make yeah, a you case that like we're, wrong, we're the right, be, we're yeah. the best team and we deserve to be ranked yeah. number one, and then to lose by one in the final <laughs> in the championship is is heartbreaking. It was rough. It was rough, but alas, that's the way that it goes. Um, you can't you can't win them all, if you will. You can't win them all, and uh, Maryland ended up losing yesterday. So that was a bummer. Um, as otherwise, you know, an unbelievable tournament, frankly. It was just a really thrilling, except for, of course, Maryland Duke, which was a blowout. Yeah. It was an absolute ass-kicking on Saturday, and I think made a lot of people feel an almost un- uh, un- unreasonable amount of confidence going into the national championship game after Maryland destroyed Duke. So, yeah, there's that. Um I, a bunch of people want to talk about the Naomi Osaka situation because I know what a tennis guy I am. I'll try to get into that at some point this morning, but I don't promise it. Um, we're doing a tennis show now, Greg Rosenthal and I. Greg Rosenthal from NFL Network and I are doing a tennis podcast during the uh, Grand Slams. We're calling it Only Slams. We did an episode. We talked about it before Naomi, Naomi Osaka withdrew from the tournament. You can find that. We'll definitely do it again this week. Maybe I'll see if Greg wants to hop on this show this week because we can also talk some football with him. But... I don't want to go too far into it on this show because I don't want to chase off the normal audience talking about some of the niche sports that I care about. Although I get it. It's a big story. It's a major story because it's not really a tennis story necessarily. It's a mental health story. It's a story about where we are with media at this point and need for media versus players just being able to go on their own social media accounts and speak to their fans that way, things along those lines. There, there are so many complications to the Naomi Osaka story, I would encourage all of you that want to make it about something else to remember that this is a story about mental health and that if someone makes their choice to say, I can't participate in something due to mental health, your own vendettas, the things that you want to make the subject about, 
you're doing that for your own edification. You're not doing that on behalf of that person. Naomi Osaka, who I love, I think she's great, right? She's an unbelievable player. You know, she's obviously been very outspoken in terms of social issues, things along those lines. I love Naomi Osaka. If Naomi Osaka says, I can't do this right now because of what she's going on, my answer is I'm going to be respectful of that. This thing where you say, well, it's, 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 it's not her fault, it's the French Open's fault. Well, the French Open is going to hold a tournament, and if she wants to participate in it, she can. They, th- that's the way it goes. If she says, well, I need you to make special accommodations for me, and this is the part where it gets tricky, we don't do that in any sport. That does not exist. There is no world. We dealt, you know, uh, you're a golf guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a golf guy. Do you remember the story of Casey Martin from years ago? I don't. I don't. Casey Martin was a player, I believe from Oregon, who had, who was born with a condition that required him to ride in a cart. I do remember this. When he played. Yes. And he sued the PGA Tour to be able to use the cart when he played. And initially... One, with the Americans with Disabilities Act. But then ultimately, as it got into the higher courts, it was overturned. And so he was able to play a couple of tournaments with his cart. And then they said later, like, no, the higher court said that that what the the PJ Tour is trying to make this fair to everyone. And in the same way that if somebody comes up with a bum knee on a particular day, they don't say, well, we'll make accommodations for you and your bum knee this is not the way this works. They get to decide what kind of tournament they want to have. And if you can't participate in it, I'm sorry. You know, it's just the way that it goes. And and I'm not I'm not trying to be cold because I believe that Naomi Osaka is truly going through something. And my gut is if it's serious enough to be at this point, then just saying, well, if you just told her she didn't have to participate in the press conferences, she'd be fine, is the most trivial thing that you could do to discuss mental health. Mm-hmm. There's clearly a problem that she's got to deal with, and I respect that. In the same way that uh, I, I was watching Ash Barty play this morning. Ash Barty was going through an injury on the court. The French Open's not going to say, well, I'll tell you what, we'll push the match back to tomorrow because we're going to accommodate you. Right. It doesn't work that way. That's not how sports works. They're going to host a tournament. If you can participate in it, you can participate in it. When you say, I want special accommodations for me that no one else gets, they say, no, it doesn't work that way. Now, that's where the next part of the conversation, the should it work that way? Should we say, well, players don't have to participate in press conferences anymore? That's a bigger, that's a bigger topic for all of sport that goes far beyond tennis. That's not a tennis conversation. This is professional sports. This isn't, this isn't amateur. This isn't high school it's professional sports. If, I, they, if, there are thing, if things are done a certain way, then they're done a certain way. It's, pro, it's, the, it's the pros. Well, and there's a couple of things. One, if they said, well, all, it's now optional for all players, there are going to be very few players that are going to right. choose to actually participate. Imagine Particu- if the NFL and NBA did that. Right, particularly after, I mean, particularly after losses, right? right? Like if a player loses, they don't want to go in and talk about losing. They just, nobody's interested in doing that. But the French Open and and sports throughout the world understand that the interest is greater, that there is more to be gained. It's better for the sport, the event as a whole. And this, again, it's beyond the French Open. It's beyond tennis. It's, you know, as you point out, it's it's the NFL. It's Major League Baseball. It's better for the whole of the sport to have access, 
guaranteed access. When we say things like, well, a player could just turn on their, their phone and do like a, a thing on Instagram if they really want to. They could. Or they could just choose they don't want to talk for a few weeks. It's better for the sport as a whole to know there's going to be access. That gets media to travel to the event. It gets them to then promote the event a little bit more, to pay attention to the sport. The same, All of those things are good things. As a fan, when my team loses, I want to hear those answers. I want to know from John Harbaugh, why, why didn't you go for it on fourth down? Why did you go for it on fourth down? I want those. And by the way, I'm probably going to be disappointed in the answers. Mm. I might be pissed off by the answers, but I still want to know. I don't want to be guessing. I want the answers as much as I can possibly get. It's a little bit different, obviously, in tennis because it's not like we, there's not a regional. It's an individual sport, right? It's not, you know, hey, there's an entire city. That's the way you know. I guess you could argue that in the case of Naomi Osaka because she's so, she means so much to an entire country in Japan that there might be an entire country that wants to know answers, wants to know, hey, what happened today, things along those lines. I, I, I get that we can say it's trivial in comparison to mental health, but I think we're missing the other side of the story, which is if your mental health isn't somewhere where you can do that, then I don't know that participating in a Grand Slam tennis tournament is something that you should be doing right now. And I applaud Naomi Osaka for saying, I got to get this right. I got to figure myself out. Tennis comes second in the in the tennis, and this is something you have to be a nerdy tennis fan to know. Naomi Osaka wasn't winning the French Open, and I think a lot of people, because she's such a a really she's an unbelievable player, she's the best player in the world. There is this thought that it's highly dramatic that Naomi Osaka wouldn't be in the French Open. Naomi Osaka's never played well at the French Open. She's never played on into the second week of the French. The clay is just not her surface. She wasn't playing well on clay coming into this. There was no reason to think that anything was changing. Is there some minute chance that this was the tournament that had everything been going well, she just happens to suddenly become a good clay court? Maybe, but the overwhelming likelihood is that she wasn't winning this tournament. And because of that, there will be those that will say, well, she wouldn't have done this at the U.S. Open or she wouldn't have done this at the Australian Open. I don't know the answers to that. I don't know. What I know is she decided that mental health was a priority over tennis right now, and I got no problem with that. That's quite all right. And the, the lengths that we're going to try to vilify other people in this process instead of talking about the actual issue, which is mental health and someone taking care of themselves, the thing that we want to do to make it about these other things is, is, is clouding and it's disrespectful to an actual problem. A human being is dealing with an actual problem, and we should be respectful towards that. It's kind of amazing to me that anybody has a problem with it. It's and I, well, like I don't think anybody has a problem with Naomi necessarily. I think the problem they have is with like they think that the Fr- the French Open should have said you don't have to do press conferences. That's never going to happen. I, I mean, it's it, every other player has to do press conferences. Right. Every other player. And they apparently went through they 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 reached out to the other Grand Slams and said, "Let's talk about this. What what do you guys think?" And every single one of the slam events was on board. The Wimbledon, the US Open, Australian Open, they all said, "This we're not changing the policy." We're all together on this. Players have to do press conferences. That's the way this works. And if they don't, they get fined. And if they continue to not do it, then the next penalty is you get kicked out of the tournament, right? Mm. And so when that was announced, then Naomi Osaka says, well, I'll just go ahead and withdraw, right? Um, and, and so there's a lot, there is this group of people that says, 
without knowing all of the layers to it or without wanting to deal with all the layers to it, we'll, we'll do a, one of a few things. They'll say, well, the French Open should have changed their policy for this player. Well, it's not just the French Open. The French Open worked in concert with all these other events. This is not about some meanies in Paris or, or whoever. you. This is in concert. Everybody got together and said, no, this is the policy. You play in the tournaments, you got to do the media. That's the way that it works. And if you can't, you can't. I mean, this, these are... We have policies in place. This is the way that it works. You know what you're getting into. If you can't play in the tournament, you can't play in the tournament. We get it. We're going to have a tournament anyway. There's the next group of people that want to have a bigger conversation about media in general and the role of the media. And, yeah, there's some terrible people that are in this profession. There's no question about it. There are some evil, vile people that ask god-awful racist questions of certain people there are people that who's who's who frankly are pointless you can watch any press conference and pull out a handful of questions that offered nothing it was just somebody that wanted to hear the sound of their own voice right like they wanted to justify having access by making sure they got a question in the question did nothing to actually help to solve any sort of problem those things exist i'm not going to pretend like they don't the notion that that should cancel out all press conferences. If those things happen, if the people that are in charge of media at the French Open notice that someone is asking truly vile questions of someone, they shouldn't be allowed to participate anymore. You don't break down the system because one person is abusing it or or doing bad things, you say, we get, get rid of that guy. It's not hard, that girl. If somebody's coming on and constantly asking you questions that, that, that bring out their own ugliness, then that player goes to the people in charge and says, I got a real problem with this. And those people should have the authority to say, all right, Steve Stevenson from the, you know, Deseret Times, whatever you are, you're out. You know, like th this is you're using a press conference to as a personal agenda, and that's not what this is for. This is for asking questions. So there are people that want to spin this Paul into a bigger conversation about another topic, and and that's the disappointing part to me is that there's someone dealing with a mental health problem, a crisis. Clear, clearly, we should probably be a bit more respectful to that instead of making it about our own agendas, our own personal vendettas that we have about not liking media or thinking that everyone is too up, whatever it is, Naomi Osaka withdrew from a tournament because she's dealing with mental health problems. Right. End of the day. That should the, be the end of the day. Thank you. That's, yeah. that's the point. Now, let, let me ask you a question real quick. Because yes, you sir. said that you didn't want to, yeah, yeah. I guess, alienate um, yeah. our, our target audience. Well, just with... by specifically talking tennis. Right, I think this right. is a topic that's bigger than tennis. It, no, it, it is. And I'm not saying that you did anything wrong here. My question is, in the last 10 to 15 years, mm -hmm. you can really only name a handful of stars. In tennis. Now, now this is coming from me. Like transcendent. Right, right. So you, you have Serena Williams mm -hmm. uh, on the women's side. And on the on the men's side, you have Rafa Nadal, you have Novak Djokovic, and you have Roger Federer. Does tennis have a problem that they don't have any new up and coming stars? Or maybe they do and I just don't know. 
but I feel like there's not a household so, name in the sport. So right now. there's a couple of things going on. Well, Naomi Osaka is definitely that becoming that player on right. the women's side. Right. Um, on the men's side, because it had been so dominated by those three guys that you reference, the next group like Dominic Team won the U.S. Open last year, right? Mm-hmm. Th- that group as a whole, he only won because Novak Djokovic got kicked out of the tournament after he, you know, accidentally hit the ref with a ball. Um, had that not happened, Novak Djokovic would have won the U.S. Open too, and the, these players still wouldn't have a Grand Slam. If those guys prove to be as dominant as this group of guys has been, then they'll become that group of guys. The bigger right. problem is here. There's just no Americans. That's the the bigger problem here, is that because no American man has been relevant since Andy Roddick, right. in in men's tennis, there's just not the the same attention in this country that has existed for a long time. And by the way, I I well no because more of the golf tournaments happen here. The golf is dominated by American men. Right, and like not to say there aren't the Rory McIlroys of the world or other players that aren't good, but overwhelmingly every week there is about I don't know eighty to ninety percent of the contenders are American men, right? Something along those lines. It's hurt this country that it it has been devoid of American men. There's not in the top thirty at the French Open. There's not a single American man. It's very difficult for this country to embrace the same way when the stars are not American. It's a, you can call us jingoistic, whatever, tribal, whatever it is. It just hasn't meant the same way. Well, and does tennis need to make their... Well, their by the their, way, it's also part of the reason why they're not going to back off on the media policy. Right. Like, they're, they, they, they want these players to be more well-known. They want people to get to know the players more. And so backing off media doesn't help that. That doesn't make it more likely for people to become aware of players. If you find out somebody's silly and has fun in press conferences, you might get to know them a little bit more. You might get to enjoy that and tend to root for that person, something along those lines. So, Or they might become a villain based on their answers in press conferences, and you want to root against that person, things along those lines. That's why tennis is not going to change their policy about media because they are – trying to create more and more stars in the same way. Now, does tennis need to make itself more accessible? Because when you think about tennis, it's a sport that you largely think about people playing at country clubs. So it's funny you say that because like, it's, it's about a billion times more accessible than golf, and yet we don't ask that question, right? Right. Like, and, and, and people will bring that up. The truth is tennis is one of the most accessible sports in the world. There are courts everywhere. Yeah. I mean, in, in low-income areas, there are courts everywhere. You need balls, you need a racket. You don't need a lot. It's not quite as accessible as basketball or soccer, but those are about the only sports that are more accessible than tennis is, whereas golf is probably the least accessible sport in the world, right? And yeah. yet and yet, it's, it's, it booms, you know what I mean? Like, and yet we, we, you know, we never have that con- – we never tend to have that conversation about golf, despite the fact that it's – it's factual. It's the most difficult sport for people to get into because you can't just go play. Yeah, it's crazy expensive. Right. No matter correct. Even the starter starter clubs are like two hundred bucks. Exactly yeah, right. It, yeah, you can't right. you can't just go pick up and decide as a kid I want to be a golfer. It just doesn't work that way. Tennis, you could do that essentially as long as you have again a racket and some balls. There are there you can are go to a Goodwill so store and buy a three dollar racket. There are so many locations for you to be able to to, to play tennis. That it is one of the more accessible sports in the world. Um, it's just, but yet, what you say, there are definitely people that think the same way. Like I associate tennis with, you know, wealthy or or or, or you know, well-off individuals. It's it, it it there's a disconnect there that exists that it's been associated with that group, despite the fact that it's so bloody accessible as a sport. It's a 
you know, they, what they need to do to work on it? I don't know. It's a good question. It's a good question. All right. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Window Nation. Glenn Clark here for Window Nation. They've got an amazing offer for you right now. Get 50% off all styles of windows, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. So, Paul, I, uh, I, I distracted from it as much as I possibly could, but the reality is uh, we got to talk about the other thing. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's grab a break here to sort of uh, transition into 14 straight losses, which, of course, is a staggering number. Four more since the last time I spoke to you all. When we come back in, I want to talk, and I've heard from these people already, I want to talk about I'm sensing a growing number of people that know what's going on, they, they get it, and yet still say, but I think the Orioles should fire Brandon Hyde. And it's an interesting, to me, intersection of these two things that are happening right now. And I thought I'm still talking about a, a smaller group of people, but I'm hearing from a, a larger number of people. I'm interested in the where you are with the rebuild as a whole and understanding that like this could happen Maybe not expecting 14 straight because it's just staggering that you get to that number, but right. but knowing there was going to be a lot more pain coming versus still holding it against the manager of the team. That's an interesting um, juxtaposition that I want to dive into next. So Paul and I are going to discuss that. I want to hear from you at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter with your thoughts about where these things intersect as far as the overall struggles of the franchise and the responsibility of the manager and what he's being tasked with and the actual tangible results and how much that changes. We're in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance studio of PressBox. Chesapeake Employers Insurance is your workers' comp... Oh, I don't know what just happened there. <laughs> is your workers' compensation insurance specialist. It's a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. Hey, this is Chris Rowland from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigands Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkum and Dave Teeth. Jeremy Kahn will be in the 
Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota on Bella Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. Baseball is back in full in 2021, and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host, Zach Goodman, every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at Press Box Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between, plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressBoxOnline.com slash TheBatAround or at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. That's the bat around every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at Press Box sports it takes time to get rich flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of colombia and brazil to royal farms but less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world because royal farms new swiss made coffee machines grind those rich flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time it's why royal farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. This is Nothing but net. Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Back here on a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Glenn Clark, Paul Valley III with you here from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. All right, so let's talk about it. Yeah, the Orioles have lost 14 in a row. And if it's 14, it might as well be 40 because it just feels like it, and obviously it's it's they won five games in all of May. It's it's beyond just it's somehow they've lost 14 in a row, and that doesn't tell the full story of just how bad it's been now for a prolonged period of time. Everything since the day that John Means threw a no-hitter has been an utter disaster. So I'm interested in a couple of things, and I'll bring up. I'm writing about it today at PressBoxOnline.com. You and I have talked off the air on Twitter and things like that. I am I am largely numb. I am ex- extraordinarily numb to this as a whole. I am not worked up. I am I am very accepting of. Uh, my buddy Rob Long asked me to come on his show yesterday, and we talked about it. And I said, Rob, you know, like there there's a group of people that are mocking people like me now in Orioles Twitter. Um, they'll say something like. Five years from now, if the Orioles are still losing, are we just going to pretend like it's part of the plan? I say, I, I don't think this is part of the plan because the plan's not here. We're not even to the plan yet. Right. We haven't even gotten to that point in this process. The, this is not part of the plan because Freddie Galvis ain't part of the plan. Because Michael Franco isn't part of the plan. Because Chance Sisko and Pedro, well, maybe somebody might have argued Chance Sisko had a chance to be a part of the plan. Pedro Severino ain't part of the plan. Dean Kramer is a fringe part of the plan, is a let's find out, but nobody was banking on Dean Kramer 
nobody was saying this is going to be make, made or broken by whether or not Dean Kramer succeeds as a pitcher or Bruce Zimmerman or Jorge Lopez for sure. This isn't the plan. This is stunting, uh, is a radio term that we call for it. This is the thing you do until you get to the plan. You have to play 162 games. Someone's got to pitch. Someone's got to play shortstop. Someone's got to play third base. So you do these things. As I've talked about, you know, you and I, that, that there are fringe guys. If you're looking for disappointment, Ryan Mountcastle is disappointment. Yeah. Because Ryan Mountcastle, example of a player that could have been part of the plan, and maybe still will be. I don't want to suggest that, you know, like Ryan Mountcastle's story has been written. It certainly has not. In the same way that his success was in a small sample size a year ago, this is a small sample size still. Ryan Mountcastle could rip the cover off the ball for the rest of the season. It looked like he was turning around for a little while. Obviously, he hit the hell of a ball yesterday. Um, and which was hilarious. I mean, I, I we, do we know that um, I don't even remember who was playing center field. Yesterday. Ref Snyder. That's who it was. Ref, do we know that he's okay? He, yeah, uh, I think he stayed in the game. I, I watched the replay because I was I was in the car when it yeah. happened. But it was it was pretty absurd. I was watching lacrosse when it happened. I saw that. I'm like, oh my god. It was absurd. It looked it looked terrible. It looked oh. like that. That's the type of play where you separate a shoulder. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just, bad. It looked awful. Um, so Ryan Mountcastle might still. But if you're looking for dis- if there's something to measure disappointment by, it's that. Ryan Mountcastle didn't immediately follow up on the success that he had from a year ago to prove he's definitely a major league hitter, no questions about it. I still think he might be. We just have questions right now, right. It, reasonably so. If, if Tanner Scott is legitimately disappointing, there's no getting around that. That's a legitimate disappointment. Now, it's a measured disappointment because he's a relief arm. You know what I mean? Like Tanner Scott also was not going to be what made or broke whether or not the rebuild would work. But you did believe that an, a 100-mile-an-hour arm, a lefty, could be something special in some capacity. As of right now, there's nothing special about Tanner Scott, other than the fact that he can still throw the ball really hard. You can make the argument that, and I didn't want them to do it, but they should have traded uh, Tanner Scott last year when I his value was ab- at its absolute Absolutely highest. can make that argument. There's no doubt about it. So those things are disappointing. But everything else to me... As I keep saying, these aren't Orioles to me. These are guys wearing Orioles uniforms. These are guys that are here filling spots until the Orioles come back. Yeah. And that's why none of this as a whole bothers me. And I'll write more about it today at PressBoxOnline.com. But this is where the conversation shifts. And what I'm asking you today, and I'm getting responses about at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, I'm fascinated by there seems to be a group of people... And I know that this started like I um, was it was it Russell uh, Utah Street Report tweeted out something about Brandon Hyde a couple weeks yeah. ago that got everybody all hot and bothered. But it also allowed in the last week some more people to crawl out of the woodwork that don't hate Brandon Hyde necessarily, but more say, but at some point some of this has to be on him. That point out like there are fundamental issues. There are genuine mistakes that are being made that you have to blame the manager for. And at some point, you lose a certain amount of games, you've poisoned the well, it's too toxic, he's got to go. And that's interesting to me because those people aren't necessarily people that say that are all just flying off the handle for the sake of flying off the handle. They're trying to make a greater point not saying I think Brandon Hyde's a terrible manager or is a bad guy or something along those lines, 
but that I think that when it gets this bad, it there reaches a level in which you can't get the stink out. You just it you carry that forever, and so you've got to go. I'll let you respond first, Paul. Where are you with Brandon Hyde in the midst of all of this? Well, yesterday was the first time since he was hired that the thoughts of Brandon Hyde might not survive this crept into my mind. Why yesterday? Manage- I, look, by the way, the ninth inning yesterday, or the tenth inning yesterday, the, the idea of having a runner on third base and nobody out, and and the tying run on third base and yeah. nobody out, and not scoring the run, unbelievable to me. I don't know if that specifically is Brandon Hyde's fault, but it's of all of the indignities, it definitely ranks up there with the most significant indignities. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I was watching the game and I saw DJ Stewart hit the double. I saw him get to third base with nobody out, and I turned to Laura and I said, he's not going to score. Jesus. I said, he's not going to score. For those that don't know, Laura is Paul's fiance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sure enough, he didn't score. You look at who's coming up. Ryan Mountcastle in those situations, they seem to be too big for him still. Then you have Austin Wins coming up and uh, Stevie Wilkerson. and Not Fred, a, not exactly the guys that Not you, murderers row, yeah, right? And yeah. I said, he's not going to score. And sure enough, he didn't score. And we've seen that play out so many times. The Orioles had the bases loaded the other day in a 3-1 to one ball in a 3 nothing ball That's game true. Yep. in the sixth inning with yep. nobody out. And they only scored because Wilkerson got hit by a pitch. And they, they that was it. So you kind of watch this team and you know what's going to happen. The reason I, – I can't – I guess I can't put a finger on the reason why it finally crept into my head yesterday that I might not survive this, other than the fact that managers generally don't survive this. A 14-game losing streak, somebody's got to be held responsible and you're not going to get rid of the whole team, right? You've already got, gotten rid of Chance Cisco. You already got rid of um, – I, did they did they DFA Sean Armstrong yet, or is that a no, move I, of people? I don't, I don't, think, I don't they, think that they did. Somebody no. somebody tweeted to me. I mean, unless it happened this morning, and I just didn't notice. Somebody it. tweeted to me that they expected that to happen, no, but, I but get, it has. I mean, I would get it. He's been terrible. He's been absolutely awful. But you look at it. His first year, 108 losses. You accept that because of the of the team that he inherited that lost all the star players from a 115 loss team. Then 2020, 25 and 35. We look at that season as a success. But that's still on pace for 96 losses. Mm-hmm. And then this year, they're 15 and 16. John Means throws a no hitter. They go 4 and 2 on this West Coast trip. And you're like, oh man, they're playing some good baseball. And they've won two games. They haven't won in two weeks. I get it. it, I, it I get it. Managers don't survive that. And of all the managers, of all the teams that this could happen to, the Orioles are the best team that this could have happened to because it's the one team where you're like, okay. Well, we knew that this was what it, what it is. And Brandon Hyde, it's okay because this is what we expected. We don't have any expectations for Brandon Hyde. But at some point, you have to be able to win a baseball game. I get what you're saying, Paul. And and I, when you bring up the managers don't survive this, I do feel as though we associate that generic topic with the reason why they don't survive is because of, of these types of phrases. It's become too toxic. It's just... Or, you know, you can use the phrase, the, the well has been poisoned. You, you can't, you cannot continue to get water from this well because you're drinking poison at this point. And my response, and I, I'll reference it in the column that I put up today at PressBoxOnline.com, is w- what is being poisoned? I would, feel, I would feel more of that if the players that mattered were here. Right. If, if, if this was a year from now, 
And Adley Rutschman was on this roster and was 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 experiencing this. And let's just say D.L. Hall was on this roster and experiencing this. I'm not even going any, any further than that. Just those two alone. I would I would actually probably immediately sign up and say, the, the well's been poisoned. You, you, you got to cut bait. You just have to have somebody else be the manager. Like, figure it out at the end of the season. But those guys can't go through something that toxic. They're learning misery. They're experiencing something that they will eternally associate with being Baltimore Orioles. You can't have that happen. I don't feel that way about the current baseball team. Well, you can't. You 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 can't. One, I don't think there's a toxicity to this. I don't think that this is uh, beleaguered players who are like, you know what? I don't want to play for this guy, so we're 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 not going to try. That's not that's not the case. the The issue here is Stevie Wilkerson is your everyday second baseman. Freddie Galvis and Michael Franco make up the left side of your infield. Your savior behind the plate at the end of May is now Austin Wins. These are guys who are not here even next year. Nope. So that your problem is, it's not Brandon Hyde. It's that you don't have any talent on this roster to stop 14-game losing streaks from happening. And, and I think people are separate. And this goes back to what I was, I was leading to, and I'll get to some comments here in a second. I think there are people that are separating. I don't blame Brandon Hyde for this versus the secondary part that you're talking about, which is, but at a certain point, it is what it is, and there's no coming back from it. There's no losing 14 games in a row and then just saying, yeah, but we'll keep doing it for the sake of doing it. There are a certain number of people that say that, that, that when something like this happens, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up a couple of quotes just, just for the, the, the sake of the conversation. Uh, Paul from Orlando. I've been all on board with the plan, but being the third season under Hyde and Elias, when consistent ineptitude on the field starts getting into the range of a 21-game losing streak like an 88, Someone has to go to show to the general fan base that you don't have a total apathy to the Major League product. It's not, I blame Brandon Hyde for the situation the Orioles are in. It's, as an organization, you have to say something. You have to say, we acknowledge that this is somehow even worse than we could have expected, and so we're going to do something about it. I'm... I'm not affected. I'm the wrong guy, right? Like, right. I, kn- I know what I was signing up for. I, I could look at the Major League roster and see this was going to be bad. And, yes, we were duped, as you point out, by some of, frankly, them being swimming, you know, in, in waters deeper than they should have been to start the season. Them sweeping the Red Sox and them having a nice West Coast trip and things along those lines made us feel like they were, they were competing beyond what our expectations were going to be. That clearly the reality is set in, and you know they got they got hit by the cleat of reality, if you will, and this is who they are. But this is always who I thought they would be, and even when they were swimming in some of those deeper waters earlier in the year, I still expected this to be maybe not for. It's really hard to lose 14 straight games. Yeah, it it's is. It's unbelievably difficult to do that because it requires things like having the tying run at third base with nobody out and not scoring. Like it requires almost absurd things occurring in order to get to 14 straight losses you you might accidentally fluke your way you happen to run into the team that's got a bullpen one day or they've got to you know start someone who's not qualified to be in the major leagues as a pitcher and you you get out of it you weasel your way into winning a game somehow it's really hard to lose 14 straight so of course nobody expected 14 mm, i'm getting all worked up <laughs> nobody expected 14 straight losses. i also 
Paul, no joke. I spent three days yelling at my kids. This is, you know, you're moving into this phase of your life where you're going to, you know, you're getting married. Uh, you might be starting a family at some point. Three-day weekends, not okay. They're, they're great when you're single. They're great when you got no kids. When you got kids, hell. Pure <laughs> hell. Because they are pent up, and the weather sucked on top of it. We still tried to go, like, do things. We even played putt-putt in the mist the other day just to get out of the house. Because it starts setting in, and all I did all weekend was yell at my kids. There was all this... Let's go. Stop it. You, you know, there was a lot of that happening for three days, and now I got a sore throat because of it. So <laughs> thanks a lot, jerks. Um, anyway, the point of this being, of course, I didn't expect it to be 14 straight losses, but I knew something. There was going to be a reckoning. You knew there was a regression to the mean, exactly. but you, we kind of expected it to be a few 11 and 18, 12 and 17 sure. months. Sure. Not the, the argument. The argument that we thought the problem was going to be there was going to be terrible pitching, but lots of hitting, and that's not really been the case. I mean, there's still games where that is the case, but that's not on the whole been the case. There have been games, frankly, that were pitched. You know, like Bruce Zimmerman's last start was quite good, right? And the Orioles still couldn't figure out a way Jorge to win Or Jorge Lopez's game. last two starts. Frankly, you're right. They, I mean, they've been good. And yet, you know, it's not like John Means got rocked on Saturday. You know, like he, he wasn't as good as we've seen John Means, but that's an absurdly high standard that we're mm-hmm. talking about. Um, and yet they're still not winning baseball games, even when they've gotten some good pitching. And that's, I get it. It's, it's, it's a problem. There's a real issue there. Um, but that's, I'm, I'm the wrong guy. I'm not worked up by it in any way, and I don't need them to do something. I, I, I'm not worried about the Major League team this season. I, I, I'm not trying to be dismissive. I'm not trying to carry their water either. Um, David Sampson, the former Marlins president, came on with us last week. Of course, he used to you know, uh, run that team in the midst of their you know, constant, we're always rebuilding, right? And he would say, beware. There are plenty of times where an organization will tell you they're rebuilding, and they're not really doing squat. They're just trying to not spend money. That's all they're doing. They don't really have a plan. I, From the 10,000-foot look, the overview of this, I don't believe that's what's happening. When you look at them getting into the international market finally and when you see some of the things they're doing in, develop, the, in money they're investing in academies and in development, yeah. it suggests there is a plan. That doesn't guarantee the plan's going to work, and that's the, the bitter part that's, that's tough for people to deal with. You can't reckon with this. Because you're assuming that it's definitely going to work. And I'm telling you, it might not. Now, the guys that matter the most, the signs have been largely positive, of course. Yeah. Adley Rutschman's starting to rip the cover off the ball. You know, D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez have been unbelievably phenomenal. There is still a Heston Kerstad problem that, you know, is more human than baseball, and we need to be respectful towards that. Um, but for the most part, the guys that matter the most in this, so far, so good. This does not appear to be. Um, as Rob and I discussed yesterday, Hayden Penn and Adam Lowen, guys that are just going to be forced their way here so we can pretend like there are players on the way. These are guys that appear to be earning their way towards the major leagues. So thumbs up on that. But it still doesn't guarantee anything. It still doesn't guarantee that this is going to work. I think there's a plan. I think that what we've seen makes you believe that there's a plan. And so I'm good personally with you're going to lose a lot of baseball games at the major league level in the process. It's easier for me, as we talked about. I can disassociate in that way. I don't have to sit down and watch all nine innings of every game. Yesterday, I could say, I'd just rather watch the lacrosse game. Now, in fairness, most years, I'd, I'd rather, if Maryland was playing for a national championship in lacrosse, even when the Orioles are good, 
there's 161 more look, you know, baseball games during the course of the year. If I miss that one, I'll live, right? right. Like, but in this year, every night I might come up with something. You know, tonight I might my buddy, uh, my buddy's a wrestler on NXT now. I might choose to watch NXT tonight instead of spending nine innings with the Orioles. Not, I'll poke in. I'm not completely disassociating myself from the Orioles. This is not a. I'm not boycotting them. I'm just not going to be as invested because I accept this. This is what's going on here. I know what's happening, and that's why I'm disassociated from the anger to Brandon Hyde. That this part of it, and I'll, I need to get some more of these. That that doesn't register with me. The you need to acknowledge what the fan base is seeing. I feel like I'm intelligent enough to know what you just point. This isn't Brandon Hyde's fault. Yeah, it's bad. And is there a number that they get to that at some point you just you know, I, I even I might change my tune. Like if they broke the record, the major league record is twenty six straight losses. Right. If they got the twenty seven losses, would maybe even I change my tune and say, Well, you gotta do something? I don't know. M- maybe. But can, I don't think so. Can can I read a text message that yeah. my dad sent me about this the other sure, day? Sure, absolutely. So my dad texts me. My, do do my, me a favor. Let me, let me get a squeeze a read in really quickly sure, just sure, because sure. we're going to end up being way too far behind again. Uh, today's show also brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. 410-401-9797 or C3America.com for your free analysis. So my dad is a doom and gloom Baltimore sports fan. He thinks that these players all make millions of dollars okay. that they should win, that they should be competent at their jobs without understanding that everybody out there is making millions of dollars. Correct. Right? So my, I wake up to a text message from my dad yesterday that says, congratulations to the Orioles. Worst record in baseball. Hopefully they enjoy that distinction. I know you hate for me to bring out the pain that you feel about this, so I'll stop as I don't follow them. I just hope that someone in the organization knows what's wrong and knows how to fix it. Otherwise, they are doomed. Now, this is a man who doesn't follow yep. the minor leagues. Yep. This is a man who is a casual Orioles fan, and that every now and again he checks to see what the score was, yep. and he sees and he checks the standings and sees that there's in la- yep. that they're in last place, and that's all that he sees. And I have to believe that the majority of these fans who are calling for Brandon Hyde's head and who are saying this is unacceptable are in this are of the same ilk of, as my father, where. You're not paying attention to what's happening at Delmarva and Aberdeen and Bowie. You're only paying attention to them. And if that's what you're doing, yeah, this sucks. This sucks. But you have to look at the minor leagues and see the three or four affiliates are either at in first place or right there. Yes, Norfolk is the only one that... And, and they've and, won five or six. And, and by the way, in the Norfolk roster is not mostly... It, it's. I would compare it to the Orioles roster in that most of these aren't guys that are part of the plan. They do have eight top thirty prospects. And, on and their look, Kyle Bradish in particular is very interesting, right? Yeah. Like, there's a couple of guys. I'm not saying there's nobody there, but you still you look at their roster as a whole and you say, um, they're they're guys that could be part of the solution, but aren't make or break to right. whether or not this is going to work, right? And to your point, you know, Bradish arrived at Norfolk, and that's good. There's there are good things even that you can point out to at Norfolk, but yes. To me, what's happening there is more relevant than what's happening in Baltimore. And I continue to encourage people: if if it's about to you, I I am a I am a baseball holic, if you will. I need my baseball fix. I would encourage you to go to more games. Go to Bowie. Go to Aberdeen. Like there, spend some time going to these places. You're down at the beach. Get over to Delmarva. Get your baseball fix that way because this was always going to be the case at the major league level this season. 
to to and and I and I think you're right by the way. I do think there are a lot of people that are only casually invested in the Orioles that see this and say we got to fire somebody. You can't lose 14 games in a row because they don't they can't look at a big picture right. um you know view of everything that's happening here. Um let me get to some responses about Brandon Hyde specifically from Jake, uh, I feel like a handful of our losses have come from obvious managing failures. I love Hyde. I hope he gets a shot at managing a competitive Orioles squad in the near future, but he has to improve just like the rest of the team. Um, I mean, you know, like, I think generically I would say, yeah, of course, right? Like when you have a young manager and they're they're learning their way, they you do want to see signs that they're getting better. They're getting a better feel. They're getting a better you know, handle on situations, things along those lines. I do still think it's very difficult to judge when the players aren't good enough. Like, I, I, when people say things like this, you you um, associate them with, I think that he should have pulled this pitcher or put this pitcher in in this situation, and this is proof that Brandon Hyde doesn't have a feel for being a manager. Maybe, or it's proof that he doesn't know who he can trust. Right. My 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 whole argument with the whole Brandon Hyde thing is, what have they given him to prove that he can manage to be successful? Now, if he's managing a team where the weakest player on your roster is say Taron Bavra playing second base hitting two seventy, and they're losing fourteen games in a row, then yeah, Brandon Hyde may be the problem. But he doesn't have the talent at his disposal at this point, and he never has. Where you can say definitively he's the issue. Right now the issue is a lack of talent. And how many, like, when we judge someone by the pitching decisions that they make, how many as a whole bullpen arms can he actually trust at this point? Paul Fry. That's the one. That's it. That's it. For this season, right? Like, for for this season specifically, that's it. That's it. That's the list. So how do I judge any decision that he makes? I can only imagine the terror that he feels every time he gets to the point in the game where... I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to put one of these guys in. I'm gonna have to put somebody else in to pitch. They all stink, but somebody's got to come in to pitch. Where is, where do you think Brandon Hyde's mindset is right now? Because he oh, by the out, way, his pitching coach was missing for you know weeks on right. top of that, which it doesn't help anything. A, a, a couple of days ago, after a loss, he said, "I knew what I was signing up for, but this is frustrating and at times it's embarrassing." I, I don't doubt that. I don't. Where's where, where, where his mind right now? Where because they. they when something bad happens against the Orioles, they immediately pan over to Brandon Hyde, and you see how disturbed he is. No you can, you, it's on his face. Yep. You can see that he's like, "Here we go again." Man. What's his mindset right now? Oh, it can't be. Nothing here is fun. There's no right. world in which any of this is pleasant, or you know, I, he's not. He can't be as disassociated from it as I can. He's living it every right. day. Like he's got to go to work. And, you know, for people that don't even work for the team, that just work tangibly around the team or that care de- every day, they're dealing with it. And that's some of the emotions that come out. Um, from Patrick, I'm of the opinion that Hyde is doing the best with what he has to work with. Uh, I mean, doing the best, I don't know. Doing what could be reasonably expected, I'd, I'd tend to agree with that. And firing him accomplishes nothing. It's a race to the bottom for Leiter or Kumar Rocker between the O's and the D-backs. Well, I don't know that it's between the, for those two players. It's not. Yeah. If uh, this were 2023 and we we were expecting to compete, this conversation is different. By the way, that in fact that doesn't that math doesn't work. Those two guys are going this year, and they're not likely to be the number one and two picks in this draft. The the race is now for the Elijah Greens of the world in 2022. 
that's what you're competing for as yeah. far as worst record is concerned. Uh, Matt, the idea that the Orioles have to fire Brandon Hyde is puzzling. The Orioles have to find better pitching. They have to develop better pipeline of minor league talent. They have to continue to maneuver for the future. Brandon Hyde is something like problem number 17. That's a fair assessment. I don't, I don't know that I disagree with that. I think yeah. it's probably about right. Um, from Kevin, I always felt like Hyde was here to carry the water during the bad years and then get one to two years with the talent where if it didn't work, he'd be gone. Um, you know, I would say, you know what I would present is there's a real chance that if it continues like this, that, that getting one to two years with the real players doesn't happen. If it continues like this, then the end of this season, if they know we're going to have Adley Rutschman on the major league roster next year, we're going to have DL Hall on the major league roster next year, that could be the time where they say, it got too bad. We're going to go find the guy that we think we most want to have work with those players. We're going to go bring in Rick Renteria next year instead. We compare this, obviously, and of course, Rick Renteria is someone that he knows quite well, who then Rick Renteria turned around and got fired a couple times uh, when he was going through these things in favor of the manager when those players were ready to win, um, uh, whether it was Joe Madden or, or Tony LaRussa uh, in the options in Chicago. Um, from Madison, for what it's worth, he's got a club option next year, so I don't think there's any real guarantee that he's going to finish the season. Personally, I think he should probably get one more year if for nothing else the pandemic. I think it's fair to bring that up. You know what I mean? I think it's fair to bring up the impact that, that has on all of this. But, you know, I, as far as whether that buys you one more year, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent towards whether or not it gets you one more year. All, all the these people that want Brendan Hyde fired, all that they're really looking for is for this team to acknowledge that this is unacceptable. There's no real legitimate reason that you could want Brandon Hyde fired because I think it's safe to say that his evaluation as a manager maybe hasn't even begun yet because they know that they gave him no talent. He was right. handpicked by Mike Elias, given three years with a fourth-year option because full no, full well knowing that we're not going to give you the talent to win yep. at any point yep. during the, during your first contract. I don't even. I don't think that you can even safely say his evaluation has begun yet. I I think that's fair. Although I think somebody might say, but we don't know that he's going to get a fair evaluation either. Right. That this he really just might have been nothing more than a placeholder. Right. When 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 the decision was made to hire him, that the Orioles always knew all along, unless unless you prove to be, you know, manager supreme, we're not. You know, when we get to that point in this process, we're going to pick somebody else. You're just we have to have a manager for right now. You're the guy that we're going to choose, and I I hope that's not the case. I do like Brandon Hyde. He comes off as a likable guy. Yeah. Um. So for his sake, I hope that's not the case. Well, but th- there's no way that they could, that they could have possibly told him that because then he doesn't take the job. Well, yeah. Because I mean, putting, they certainly don't come out and say that. No managerial doubt. career behind the eight ball. Hey, coming up June 27th at Jerry's Toyota, it's Tucker Fest. Um. Yeah, you can go ahead and call him. That's fine. Tucker Fest is coming up June 27th. We're looking forward to that event. It's going to be uh, an amazing day at Jerry's, celebrating, of course, the greatest kicker of all time. And you can meet, get pictures and autographs with Justin Tucker. They're going to cost $50. You say, boy, that sounds like a lot. Well, that's because we're raising money for the Brigance Brigade, a charity that I would think all Baltimore football fans would want to embrace and celebrate and their fight against ALS um, what it is that O.J. Brigance has gone through. It's an incredible group they've put together. So if you want to help us raise some money for the Brigance Brigade, get your picture and autograph tickets to meet Justin Tucker right now by going to great8smemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, great8smemorabilia.com to get your picture and autograph tickets for Tucker Fest. There's going to be a... Fr- the rest of the event is free. 
Like, if you can just come out on June 27th and hang out, there's going to be live music all day. Joey Harkum, Dave Teef playing live music. There's going to be a cornhole tournament. The dunk tank, I know our buddy Jeremy Kahn's going to be in the dunk tank that day. We're going to be doing a live broadcast. It's going to be an awesome day at Tucker Fest, and all that is free. Food trucks will be there, the other vendors. But if you want to meet uh, the greatest kicker of all time, again, go to great8smemorabilia.com with the number 8 right now in order to get your picture and autograph tickets for Tucker Fest, June 27th at Jerry's Toyota. Let's continue to talk some Orioles this morning. Joining us now, he was on the call yesterday for ESPN as the Orioles dropped their 14th straight, losing to the Twins in extra innings. He's a former big league first baseman, and he's working with ESPN as well as MLB Network Radio. It's a pleasure to welcome into the program Xavier Scruggs, who joins us now here on GCR. Xavier, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, no problem at all. Anytime I can jump on, I'm happy to do so. Appreciate you guys, and uh, good to hear from you guys. Uh, Hope you guys had a good Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, you know, um, other than the baseball, Xavier, <laughs> other than the baseball, things are pretty good. You know, what the conversation we're having this morning, Xavier, let me pose it to you this way. I, I like Brandon Hyde personally. Um, you know, I've enjoyed my conversations with him. I think he's a likable guy. I don't really know how good of a manager he is because the Orioles don't have good players, right? So it's really hard for me to know how good of a manager he is. But there are opinions that exist that when you go through something this historic, you know, we're the 14 straight losses is unbelievable. You're approaching the longest losing streaks in baseball history. That at some point nothing else matters and you have to change. You have to fire someone for the sake of firing someone. I don't agree because of the situation the Orioles are in. But what do you make of the idea that, like, at some point, things just become too toxic when you're going through something like this? No, I absolutely agree with you. It's just gotten to a point now where you have to make some type of adjustment. You have to do something different. Um, The team has struggled for too long now. We know that they're in this rebuilding process, but at the same time, there have to be signs of, you know, continuing to get better. You know, it has to be a point to where – we need to see something from the offense continuing to get better. We need to see something from the relievers. We need to see something from the starting pitching. Something has to continue to get better or else we don't see a rebuilding process. We see things staying the same or getting worse. So there has to be some type of highlight when you talk about the Baltimore Orioles. And I completely agree with you. I don't know if um, Brandon Hyde necessarily needs to do something to really change some things or if it's front office that needs to do something but um, something really has to change because this stretch of games and the the type of play that we're seeing is just really unacceptable now for major league baseball in general yes teams have some tough stretches but this is starting to not look like a major league baseball team on the field I, and i go back to yesterday's game and you get a great start from jorge lopez but then you still can't seem to get the big hit, and that's where and that's a, another area where they've been missing guys in scoring position, guys on, on third, less than two outs, yeah. not being able to get those guys in. So there has to be some type of approach that changes from the hitting side, and then relievers coming in and not attacking the strike zone. Like those are some things that are more mental than physical than anything, and those things need to be fixed from the coaching side and then also the developmental side when these guys come up and they have to be ready to go. How do you measure those two things, though, Xavier? Like, How, how could we measure how much of this is on 
the manager versus how much of it is just the sake of or the the what happens when you don't have good when you say you know our priority is not the major league level and we are not worried about that right now and that, and that's the really tough part about measuring this for me is like i generically i know what you're saying is right but at the same time there's not there's one guy in the bullpen that that Brandon Hyde can trust that's been any good this season he's he's dealing with multiple positions on the field where there isn't a major league caliber player on the roster right like i how do we measure the the responsibility of of the manager versus hey look you could have Joe Torre you could have Bobby Cox you could have Earl Weaver and if these are the players that are out there they're not getting anything more from me either yeah no i absolutely agree the tough part is from a a fan perspective from somebody that's in the corner of the Baltimore Orioles a lot of these things you just won't see because it's more of process driven it's about making sure these guys if we're if we're talking about quantifiable things we're talking about some analytical things so it may be hard hit percentage how how do we get these guys to focus more on getting ahead in the count when you're at the plate and finding opportunities to put the ball in play hard how do we focus on two strike approach um, how do we focus on you know the the exit velo when we're when we're at the plate? We know a lot of these guys exit velo is down, and these are things that we can more now quantify. So we got to be able to figure out how those things get better. And then you talk about the bullpen and pitching strike one. You know what's our strike one percentage? You know miss missing bats, swing and miss percentage. Those things those things become that much more magnified when you're talking about the process, but those things are quantifiable and those things have to get better. So if it's from a perspective as, hey, these guys aren't cutting it because some of these guys should be playing better than they are right now. So if it's something like, hey, these guys aren't the major league caliber at the moment, or is it something, you know, do we need to go out and look for something different, whether it be next year or free agency, whatever it may be, I think you can start to quantify some of those things, and if those things aren't getting better, then you have to look to the coaches. You have to look to 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 what these guys are doing from a developmental standpoint because it and it and it's tough because at the major league level you shouldn't have to develop guys, but Brandon Hyde knows the position that he's in. I talked to him yesterday, even before the game, and he's talking about these guys. You know, they're they're positive. They're they're still feeling good going into the clubhouse, but. There has to be some serious frustration because, quite honestly, a lot of these guys aren't getting better. So you have to figure out a way for these guys to start gaining some ground, gaining some momentum in certain areas, and then hopefully that comes together collectively because this is this is a rough stretch for the whole team. There's no doubt. Oh. Well, so here's the thing. So Brandon Hyde, they're talking about, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier in the program before you came on, Xavier, where it's managers don't survive 14-game losing streaks generally. But Brandon Hyde hasn't really been given the talent on the field. So at what point is it, well, maybe they need to get rid of the hitting coach. They're not going to get rid of the pitching coach because they just hired him. They got rid of a pitching coach to bring in Chris Holt. But at what point do you think that maybe they say, all right, these guys aren't hitting. They're losing games three to one, five to four because they're not getting the big hit in the big situations. At what point does that now fall on the hitting coach, and maybe they make a move there? Yeah, I think you look at the stretch that they're on, and when you think about something has to change. I think I look at it from a, a management standpoint, though. Is how long do we give these guys during a, a year that's supposed to be rebuilding? 
to see if they're able to make those positive strides. Is this a year that we want to do that and you make those changes right away? Because we have to remember, it's still early in the season. So there is still some opportunity for these guys to, to change. You know, we know that they're not, not going to go from the bottom of the cellar to the top, but there is opportunity for them to, to turn things around and, and get better in a sense of, uh, of a team atmosphere, in a sense of being a little bit more productive on both sides of the ball. So I think it's just how much how much do you weigh on this season and then how much do you think future-wise there has to be change? Do you think future-wise when you have your top talent in the major leagues, is Brandon Hyde still the manager? Is, 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 do you still have the same coaching staff below Brandon Hyde? Or do you think, okay, there needs to be some changes by the time these guys – are ready to compete. So I think there's, you kind of think of it both ways. Is this the staff that I want to groom for when these guys are ready? Or do, am I thinking that there might need to be a change in staff in the future, 2022, 2023, when these guys may be ready to compete? So that's, I, I think that's a tough decision, but at the same time, you have to start figuring those things out and you don't want to wait too long to a point where uh, we're, we're caught behind, we're, we're caught behind the eight ball you know, we don't have these things figured out. I think that's a definite question for management, and they're trying to figure those things out now too because they're going to figure out – they have to figure out what pieces they're going to be able to put together in seasons to come, which are going to be more important than this one, obviously. Four big leaguer Xavier Scruggs is with us here on GCR. He was on the call yesterday for ESPN as the Orioles lost their 14th straight to the Twins. Um, Xavier, I think that we're also running into some big picture things here in Baltimore, which is guys that we like, um, specifically John Means, Trey Mancini, who have been performing throughout all of this. Um, How do their futures line up with where the Orioles are as an organization? And is there a responsibility to try to have something pleasant on a baseball team and not just literally get rid of anybody who's any good and and it's a tough conversation because there's so many facets to it right like how good really is john means versus did he have the best month of his career and you could maybe capitalize on that if you were you know if you were hired tomorrow as general manager of the baltimore orioles would there be anybody to you that would be off limits when it comes to guys you might trade at the deadline this year yeah for me i I feel like you got to stick with means i feel like you got to give him another month to figure out, okay, is this a guy that can be, you know, a really top line starter in the MLB? Um, so for me, that that's a guy I got to, I got to stay. Cause I, cause I don't know what I have with a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys have been so inconsistent. The ones that have been inconsistent, I think I'm, I'm the ones that have been consistent. I think those are the ones that I got to continue to, to build around. I don't want to get rid of guys too quick. We've seen we've seen situations like the Cardinals getting rid of a, a Rosarena before he busted out on the World Series scene and became a, a, a star in this game. Yeah, he's so okay. I, I just look to the, those instances. You don't want to happen like that. And you, there's only a few pieces that, like like a Cedric Mullins at the top of the lineup. You're not going to get a guy like that. You know, very very often coming up uh, coming up out of the system or from a trade or from free agency, I think he's an important piece that you you need to have. Obviously, a Trey Mancini, um, but I think you look to some of these guys and, and still give them a little bit more time, especially you know guys that have have you've groomed to bring up. I, I look at a, a DJ Stewart. I got to give him a little bit more time to figure out. Sure. Okay, is this a guy that can perform at the big league level? Former first rounder. So I think you look at some of these guys and see, okay, let's give them a little bit more time. Let's see what we're capable of doing with these guys. 
but yeah, I, as far as off limits, I think Means has to be that one guy for me um, because he's shown flashes of serious excellence, and I don't want to get rid of somebody like that. Um, but at the same time, don't you you put me in the hot seat talking about trying to be the GM with yeah. this with this tough with this tough a difficult spot, with no, doubt. Team. So, no doubt. So so that's a that no that's really a tough thing because. You know, they will have some of those decisions to make because they know that if, if they do trade a couple of these guys while they've shown promise, they can get some good things in return. So um, that that's going to be that's going to be tough for them. But I think for me, there some of these guys have shown you that they should be built around a little bit and they've shown those flashes. I think you got to stick with the process there with some of these dudes. And look, as I've said a million times, I am not suggesting that you just trade anyone for the sake of trading them. Like, I'm not, that's not the, I mean, it, I mean it, outside of, if anybody on the planet wanted to give you a bag of balls for Matt Harvey, you go right ahead and you do that, right? <laughs> but, like, that's not happening. So, outside of that, right. I'm talking about the guys that people actually want. And, and no, I'm not just, in no world do I think you just trade him for the sake of trading him. Xavier, uh, when, you, when, you do, when you do a game nowadays, you're almost disappointed the first time you give up a hit because you really thought that any game that you might broadcast at this point, there's a real chance it could turn out to be a no-hitter? <laughs> yes, and, and I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Really? I, like, all the, all the no-hitters, you know, that have happened are, you know, are great. It's great in the game, but I'm tired of seeing them. I want to see these guys raking. I want to see averages going up, OPS going up. I look at the bottom of the lineup in a lot of these – in a lot of these lineups, and these guys are barely hitting 200. So I'm trying to figure out what what's the biggest difference this year with these guys. So because you got guys that are that have thrown no hitters that aren't necessarily high velocity guys. These are just guys that kind of pinpoint paint. They don't have the same velo as a as a, a as a big name like a Garrett Cole, a Bieber. These guys are just you know, kind of average dude. So I'm trying to figure out what's the deal with this offense this year. I don't like it one bit. I was a hitter. I didn't like when I, my team got no hit. Um, I want to see some more offense. I want to see some more guys celebrating like a hobby bias, two home runs last night, and the crowd's yelling his name. Um, those are the things that I want to see in this game. More offense equals more fans equals more marketing equals more money for everybody. What would you think of the Tatis thing in Houston over there? I loved it. I was so on board. You hit you hit that home run in that spot. Three run homer to tie the game when you're down to your last strike and the, the, frankly you should have been out the pitch before because of the pop up in foul territory. Right. You right. Go, go have fun, man. I loved it the other day from Tatis. No, that's the thing is like let these dudes enjoy the game. Even the pitchers are starting to show more emotion and I think that's great for the game, especially now as we get fans back in the stands. Like some of these stadiums were twice as loud as I've ever heard them before and I think it's because these fans haven't had the the chance to really let out their emotions from last year where they're sitting at home and watching these games. Now you get the fans out getting juiced the players getting juice. You talked about um, Tatis, Tatis, and Baez going had it last night. Two of the two of the top yep. most exciting players in our game. So I think those are the things that you have to celebrate in our game because it's such a special time. Especially as fans get back in these stands, we got to let guys have fun. We got to let see the energy. Those are things that are going to be big for this next generation of kids watching the game in such small bits. You got to remember these kids have small attention span when it comes to now TikTok 15 to 30 seconds. So if I can see a Javi Baez go off and, and do a bat flip for five seconds, 
that's going to attract me to the game. Those are the things that this game has to start to market more and more and more. Xavier, in seeing all of these no-hitters, now we have fans back in the stands. You saw in 2019 two teams hit over 300 home runs, and we had never seen anybody get close to that before that season. They came out and said that they deadened the baseball for the 2021 season. A, do you think that was a mistake with fans coming back into the stands and warning the offense to be at a premium? And B, how much of that do you think has to do with the fact that we've now seen six, arguably seven if you count Madison Bumgarner's no-hitters in the first two months of the season? Yeah, to, to answer the second one first, I don't think it's a, a big deal with the no-hitters because I, these dudes in the no-hitters, they were carving, right? They were getting weak contact. They weren't getting balls that, that should have been flying out of the stadium. These guys did their job. Um, but for me, to answer the first one, I don't know why MLB did that. I, I feel like this is a situation where you're trying to maybe see more home runs. You want to see more energy, more excitement within this game. I understand you want to try to get more contact. You want to try to get these guys focusing on hitting more line drives, uh, thinking less about just launch angle and, and, you know, a lot of swing and misses. But for me, the hitters will adjust. They will figure out how to get to these pitchers that throw the high velocity. We know what they're doing up in the zone, sliders down in the way, but a lot of fastballs up. Hitters haven't quite caught up to it, but they will. They will adjust. They know that that's a pitch that's going to be important to hit for them. As we see the averages down, the OPS, all those things down this year, hitters have to adjust. So for me, if anything, we got to continue to keep the ball the same and let that ball fly if yeah. it's supposed to fly. We can't continue to make changes um, to the ball if it's going to result in less offense within our game. So for me, not quite sure why MLB did that. I understand trying to, you know, force more contact and more balls hit line drives and, and balls put in play. But, you know, this game is is really about a couple things, home runs and strikeouts. So if, if we got to figure out how to get more balls in the air to fly out, then that's what we got to do. Xavier Scruggs, um, what can we plug for you, man? Social media, I know you've been doing MLB Network radio stuff. What all can we get plugs in for for you? Oh, man, I, I just, I'm just going to give you guys a little secret taste. Not a lot of people know this, but I have an MLB podcast coming out um, that's, that's done by MLB. Oh, very cool. And it'll be called The Bigs, and I sit down with quite a few people in this game, anywhere from Trey Mancini, um, who I know you guys yeah, will love, love him. to to Jack Flaherty, um, sit down with Albert Pujols, I sit down with Colton Wong. Um, so it's actually something new that MLB is putting out. They haven't really put a lot of marketing behind their podcast, but I will be uh, one of the first faces to do so, and it's a player-to-player podcast, so it makes it special. But also, we're talking about things that happen off the field more than anything and those things translate somehow onto the field. Everybody knows that some some way things relate off the field and, and things get brought onto the field. So it's really special conversations, and it's done in a nice storytelling mode. So I think you guys will love that. Look forward to the bigs. I believe it's releasing June 16th by MLB. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Awesome, man. Congratulations on that as well. At Xavier underscore Scruggs is how you follow him on Twitter. Xavier, appreciate you taking the time for us, man. Thank you so much for doing it. We'd love to do it again down the road. Let's do it, fellas. Appreciate you guys. Take it easy. Have a good one. There you go. Xavier Scruggs, of course, from um, MLB Network Radio and 
did yesterday's game for ESPN as the Orioles again suffered a 14th straight loss, which is continues to be a staggering number no matter how many times we say it. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Right now, whether your focus is luxury and comfort or perhaps it's convenience, technologically advanced connectivity, or even sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. One more, uh, or a couple more. From uh, Vince, the thought has crossed my mind. This, all these are related to, to Brandon Hyde. The thought has crossed my mind, but at the same time, if they fired him, then they'd be no further in the rebuild process. We all understand he's basically just a placeholder. Uh, we'd like to think until the rebuild is done. I think there are people that wanted to believe he was more than just a placeholder, that wanted to believe that they fi- found a diamond in the rough and Brandon Hyde was going to be an outstanding manager and could could stay with this group. Was it likely? No, it was probably not likely that that was the case. Look, when we did our cover story on Brandon Hyde this year and Stan the Fan and I spent about an hour chatting with him, he acknowledged as much. Like, he knew. When we talked about Rick Renteria, you know, he knows Rick Renteria well. He's like, look, man, I, I, I know how the business works. I can't do anything about that. You know what I mean? I'm going to... I'm going to you know, go out and do my job, and, and we'll see what happens. But I'm aware. I'm aware you, you know, that, that when you get into a situation like this and these circumstances, it might very well be that they turn around to decide, yeah, we're going to bring in somebody else now. We're going to bring in the guy that we really wanted now, the, the guy that didn't want to take a bunch of losses on their record. But you know, when the team looks good, would be happy to come take the job and, and sign up for it. Is it a foregone conclusion at this point that Brendan Hyde will not be here? It, the Orioles it feels success. more like that, I think, right? It, and, and it's I don't know that again, we're reacting because we're dealing with this, you know, the, the number 14 is hanging over us right now. Yeah. And probably 15 after tonight. Uh, I, yeah, I mean it does not it certainly does not shape up. Although again, Bruce Zimmerman pitched well his last time out. Let's let's keep that in mind. Um you know, that that number is hanging over us, but could we get 2 weeks down the road and the Orioles have won 50% of the games they've played between today and 2 weeks from now and suddenly we just don't feel as strongly about it? Yeah, absolutely. We could get to that point. It feels drastic right now because that number is so overwhelming. If if Brandon Hyde doesn't survive this rebuild, does he get another opportunity to manage in the big leagues? <sighs> You know, on on paper you would say no, but then you remember the business is what it is. It's it's a connection business. It's a, you know, do you do you have a friend somewhere else that gets a job and, you know, in similar circumstances, another organization that's looking to rebuild and they say, look, we'll let you come in and do it. it it's easy to say on paper, no, he doesn't, but he was still part of the Cubs thing and. That still matters, right? Like, what they did was still really special. And there are people that were around that that really cared about him. And would Dave Ross hire him, David Ross hire him as a, a bench coach or something like that again? And that, you know, if the Cubs succeed and he's the bench coach, could that get you back into the manager? You know, there's a ton of things that could play out from there. Well, because he was handpicked by Mike Elias, right? right? And o- on top of that, he was widely regarded when he was hired by the Orioles as maybe like the next big up and coming manager. Yep. And so he and he hasn't he surely hasn't gotten a fair shake. No, there's in, no question in, about that. In, in Baltimore. So I I, I don't know. It it's oh, I I'm, I wouldn't be condemning Brandon Hyde in any way. You right. know, even if they fired him tomorrow. I like if somebody came to me and said, 
you know, would would you ever let this guy manage again? I would say, yeah, I would, hundred percent. I like I I like Brandon Hyde more than I dislike him. And again, right. some of that is I've had the opportunity to have conversations with him, and I think he's a thoughtful guy and all that sort of stuff. I'm not going to hide from there's probably an amount of bias that's involved with that, but at the same time, I don't know him well. I don't know him personally. Like you know, if he saw me today, he would have no idea who I was, right? Like right. we're not. I'm not a daily beat writer, you know. I'm not going in and talking to him every day. Um, I I like him more than I dislike him, and I don't blame him for any of this. To me, it's a it, it really is a wash in how I would judge Brandon Hyde for, you know, his his job as the Orioles manager. If somebody said you got to give him a grade for his job as an Orioles manager, I give him a a C because it's the the middle of the road. It's the do I think he's done a great job? No. Do I think he's had a lot to work with? Not at all. So. What can I say that reflects those things? I think he's a C. I think he's been fine. This has just been a really ungodly stretch. I mean, yeah. This is that I, we can't shake that number. When there's a number, if the Orioles had won one of these fourteen games, they won one game last week. Would they be all that different? No, but they wouldn't have fourteen straight losses. The frustrating thing about if you go back and you look at the scores in this fourteen uh, straight lose losses, ten games decided by three runs or less. Ten, there by accident. You, would you think, should win one yes, or two. Of you those. would think that you would end up running into, as I keep saying, like it's just it is really staggering. I get it. Yeah. It's staggering. All right, we're in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of Pressbox. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. We come back in. We'll talk about this with Jeremy Khan. Hopefully, he'll help me make some money uh, tonight. I was trying to find a way, by the way, I was messing around with it because I'm a tennis guy. I was like trying to figure out if I bet like 12 tennis favorites. Like if I just bet today on the money line, Nadal, Djokovic. Like I just went down the list, right? And I bet $50 on a parlay with all of those guys. What would it make me? It was only going to make me 10 bucks. So I said... <laughs> I think I'm gonna pass. Think I'm gonna pass on doing all that. So hopefully Jeremy. Uh, that's will help me that's lunch it. tomorrow. I get it, but like all it takes is one of them to lose. All right. it takes is one of these like eight guys and that I lumped in together. Bucks. And I'm out fifty bucks. I get this is why this is why they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. You can't manipulate it. It can't be done. Right. But hopefully Jeremy can help me instead. We'll do that next. Paul Valley's here today. I'm Glenn. It's Glenn Clark Radio. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 
888-789-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a trip the Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A- financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit, and after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Window Nation, the perfect fit. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ. Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com. Slash Radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio. 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. Back in here on GCR from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio of Pressbox. Today's show is also brought to you by K&S Automotive in Hamden. For over 40 years, K&S has been restoring, repairing, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles. The focus on exceptional workmanship and quality customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work, they've got you covered right now at KNS. Give them a call, 410-235-6660, or go to knsimports.com. That's KNS Automotive, knsimports.com. Jeremy's going to join us here in a second. Paul and I were just talking off the air about, like, the word that I haven't used this morning that I would come back to is, I still think more than anything, a 14-game losing streak, as frustrating and as overwhelming as the number is, is more an anomaly than it is a condemnation. Like, it takes an amount of bad teams will run into a night where everybody's just hitting on that particular night or where they just get the right matchup and they're able to exploit it. I 
as I said a second ago, would we feel that much differently, or the team would the team be that much different if they had just happened to win one of these 14 games? No, they'd still be a very bad baseball team. But we wouldn't be talking about the number 14 anymore. It's crazy. Or, you, you said it was an anomaly dur- yeah. during during the break. I mean, and I mentioned to you the Orioles. Have lost. Being bad is not an Let's make that they're a bad baseball team. Right. The fourteen. The fourteen losses right. is the anomaly. I mean, the Orioles have lost ten games in this fourteen game stretch by three runs or less. Trey Mancini hits a home run in the ninth inning last night. No doubt. The Orioles win that game. Yep. And that just hasn't happened. And the fact that that hasn't happened is crazier than anything else. It's and it's kind of goofy. It's just and again, I'm not trying to say that means that they're secretly a good baseball team. It's just kind of goofy that it's played out to get to this staggering type of number and as we talked about off the air I actually think that the number is less damning than say what we saw from the Pirates last week and their first baseman forgetting how and I can't remember the guy's name at the top of my head but forgetting how baseball works what we saw from the Diamondbacks last night where there's a pop-up in the outfield two guys run towards the ball and then just stand there and no one catches it to me that's more of a toxicity problem than just sheerly losing baseball games you know, it's not defined. Jeremy Kahn joins us typically every Monday here on GCR. No show on Monday, so we're doing it today. Of course, from uh, the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan, as well as you see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Jeremy, what's going on, pal? What's up, man? So, yeah, it is a bit of an anomaly. Like, I, I know for a fact that I, I'm, I'm going to be a loser for the first 48 years of my life, so <laughs> I've only got seven more years of this until I finally reach success. <laughs> Oh, man. I got to look forward to it. Man, is that how that math works, by the way? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I didn't realize that. I should have checked into that. By the way, thanks a lot for uh, taking the day off yesterday so that Rob made me go on at 7.30 with him. (laughs) Well, you were lucky because we're doing our betting thing, and I got uh, annihilated yesterday. It was a bad day. And here's a little side note for you for how things go. It doesn't matter how many good days you have. Some cat has my phone number. Don't know where he got it from. He texts me every once in a while about gambling. And then he texts me today. He was like, hey, two and six, not bad. And I just wrote him back and said, hey, if you're trying to be a smartass, lose my phone number. Don't text me. You're going to start getting some nasty-ass stuff from me that you're not going to I saw some things you were saying to people. (laughs) I see. Jeremy's getting ruthless on Twitter, by the way. When you, when you, uh, let me, you know, for example, last Monday, we didn't have a great day. We didn't have a great day (laughs) last Monday. Did did I see how we lost to Portland under on Monday? No, I didn't. They scored 72 points. Um, in the fourth quarter. Oh, Jesus and, Christ. Yeah, and so we were on pace, and it's like, oh, are you God. kidding me? Uh, By the way, didn't one of them, didn't they finally hit an under in that series? Didn't they finally? Like... Yeah, on Saturday, and then I missed every other game I think I took. Oh. So I had a good day Friday. Um, Sunday was good. Monday was bad. Uh, there was another day in there, like Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday last week, I had a really good day um, uh, hitting all my top plays. Like, even sometimes you have to look at it. Like, if you just bet the top plays, that's what I would suggest for some people that just want to bet a few games. But like I said, if you're an action junkie like myself, I like to throw out what I like. But uh, it's just funny. You know, like, you're, you're never, you never get those pat on the back. And even when you do, they don't feel like enough. I'm not charging for it. So I'm not telling people, hey, you have to bet. This. Right. So it's entirely up to you. I'm just telling you what I see. This is and what like, you're doing. Funny. Yeah, it's funny. Like, even yeah, I hear you guys talking about the Orioles. Like, I think they're <laughs> – it's hard for me to tell anybody to bet them because no. the gamblers do with a no. team like this. Is, you either keep betting them, waiting for – the time that they get off the schneid and they finally get the win, or you just fade them and bet against them until they finally win and say, well, that was a good run. I actually like the Orioles as a dog tonight. Um, <laughs> listen to this. It, M- Michael Pineda's second start off the IL. The first one was last week against the Orioles. 
Um, he does give up the gopher ball a lot. Like he'll give up those home runs and he walks quite a few. Uh, I, I think there's a chance to get to him, but the big question is, will the bullpen hold up and, I think Zimmerman gets knocked around. So my favorite plays the over in that game, but I do think the Orioles could win it. All right, so let's get to it. Um, of course, every day you can go to PressBoxOnline.com and you can see Jeremy's picks there. Today I see that you love the over, you love uh, the Padres Cubs under, and uh, I see that you – oh, you're not going back to the under in the Portland-Denver series. So you're going – I do like it, but my favorite play, just looking at the numbers, is is uh, Portland tonight. Um, I, I've – told people all along i bet portland to win the nba championship do i think that happens not necessarily i just think it was a smart bet with how um you know wide open like the other team that i almost placed the bet on was the mavericks but then i thought i was being a little i want to say homerish because they're my favorite team right but I, I just think that it's wide open in the western conference and nothing would shock me and now with chris paul being banged up and trying to play through it AD being out, sure. um, it's even more open, you know? So, like, nothing would surprise me. Okay. I mean, I hear you on that. So, let's let's do what we normally do. You you give me – I'm going to bet 200 bucks tonight. You tell me how you're betting it. Okay. So, I'm going 150 on Portland. We're going to keep doing the parlay thing. Okay. 150 on Portland, uh, plus one and a half. Yep. And then uh, we'll parlay Portland with the the Nats over Nats over eight and a half. Okay, so one fifty on Portland. I've got I've got plus two by the way. I'm assuming okay. you, you like that even better. Well, no, then I'm against it. So <laughs> I like the plus one. No, yeah, plus two. All right, that so works. I'm doing one fifty on Portland, placing that, and then I'm parlaying it with the Nationals under. You said over over. I like the Nats and Braves over over good because I hate as you know I hate betting unders. Yeah. So I like I love this. well unders you're always winning until you're not winning. So. Correct. That's exactly yeah. well and it's as Kyle and I talked about this last week. It's the misery of actually watching the game and rooting against everything that's happening. Yeah. Everything <laughs> that occurs makes you miserable. Can you, you imagine just rooting for defense over and over correct. again? Come like, on, punt the ball. Right. You can't do that. You it's the it's the misery of betting an under is literally anything that occurs makes you furious. I love Especially in a basketball game. Yeah. In a basketball game when there's just score in the entire game. Every shot. No! <laughs> By the way, you should have seen me. I think it was the, the Heat. Uh, was, it, was it the Heat Bucks or was it a regular season game with the Heat? There was a game they played where there was like a six-minute stretch of no scoring, and I had the under. And oh. I'm sitting there cheering for every missed pass. <laughs> yes! yes. Ball gets knocked out of bounds. Yes! Turnover. You're living, you know, like, you're, you're yeah. living for nothing happening. You're living <laughs> for these moments. I bet on the guy on prom night to not get laid. Right. Yeah, you got rejected. Way to go, buddy! Yeah, Way to go! Big night for you in your life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. no. I totally get it. All right, my bets are in. You go to PressBoxOnline.com right now, and you can see Jeremy's plays for the day. Um, let, let me get back into the Orioles with you. What we're talking about this morning, Paul and I, we're talking about um, the Brandon Hyde conversation specifically, right? And and I'm the wrong guy because I am so disassociated from what's going on that even the fringe are like there's the lunatic argument of people that just want to fire somebody at all times. Then mm-hmm. there's the secondary argument, which is like, hey, I get it. I get that the team wasn't going to be very good, but it's not just they're not very good. It's that there's there's actual things that are occurring that make me think they're regressing, and I put that on the manager. Or even, as Paul pointed out earlier in the show, that like in baseball, typically a manager that loses 14 straight games just doesn't survive that. It's just not the way that it works. You, If it's that bad, you tend to lose your job. And I'm the wrong guy because my response to all of it is, yeah, I don't. That, that's not what we're doing here, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that, that, I just, none of it gets me worked up. 
I guess my question is to you is, should it? Should I get worked up about any of this? Is it worse than even low expectations were? And maybe if it's not now, is there a number? Like, if this thing gets beyond was 21 and 88, if, this, if they start to threaten, like, the major league record for consecutive losses, is there a point at which you say, even if we like Brandon Hyde, you have to say at that point, you've poisoned the well, things are too toxic, the manager's got to go. I mean, they, they, they can. There, there's fall guys along the way. We all know it. I mean, I, I said from day one that I thought Brandon Hyde was, and this goes for most managers, but more specifically him, that he was hired to be fired. Like, as soon as the team was going to get good, they're going to bring in an established vet to manage the team. That's just been my belief. Now, I would love to see what Brandon Hyde could do with a legitimate team, and he doesn't have that now. People can say what they want. We, we like certain players in the team, but when you stack up the talent from the Orioles compared to some of the other teams yep. right now at the major league level, we're, we're nowhere near them. Nope. So, um, I mean, eventually, like, I, and I agree with Paul, if, he, if they go on this horrendous losing streak, I could see them firing him. And It doesn't really matter right now who's, who's there because it's, I've been screaming about it. Nobody wants to you know, say it, but it's not about wins and losses. Like, I actually stopped uh, – I got off of some of those message boards um, – or like the other posts, you know, on Facebook. Yeah, but that's because that's Orioles because group. of that picture that you posted there. And, well, and yeah, that's just, yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, but I, I Jeremy's like off. I got off the message board as if he didn't get a strongly worded letter. <laughs> no, I got off this because every day it's somebody posting something like, "Oh, this team sucks." Of course they do. They're in a rebuild. Right. Like, what don't you understand about it? Like, it's like coming outside and saying, "Man, my car doesn't drive well." Yeah, you have a flat tire, jackass. Of course it's not driving. <laughs> right. Like you've got an issue, and this team, they're not. They're never going to be – I don't want to say never. They're not going to be what you want this year. Like, they, they could get on a hot streak. But ultimately, they're not ready to compete with those other teams. We have one guy in our rotation that we trust right now. One guy. And there's two other young guys that are working through some stuff. Actually, three if you throw in Keegan Aiken along with it with Zimmerman and Kramer that we're trying to figure out if they're a part of their future. So, you know, I, the hard part is, like, people have expectations for no reason. They're just tired of losing. But at some point – they will have to make that move, spend some money in free agency, and have a team that can compete on an everyday basis, not every now and then. Uh, look, I, you know, we're in agreement, and, and I've been. I am not getting worked up by the results of it. I, the, the results of the games are, are almost a nothing to me, right? They're, they're, none of it impacts me in any way. I'm, I'm bummed that Ryan Mountcastle wasn't able to follow up a great month last year by lighting the world on fire this year and, and making it a certainty that he's a rock star. But it doesn't mean I think that Ryan Mountcastle won't ultimately become a really good Major League bat. It's just, it would have been neat if that was something that we got to see immediately out of the gate this year. I'm bummed that Tanner Scott's been no good. But as you point out, every, just about everybody else on this roster was a, maybe you could squint and see them being part of the solution, but none of them were a significant part of, of any of this to me. We, so. we have a closer that they, they measure how hard he throws in kilometers per hour. Right, you know, it's like, right. It, it's... <laughs> I mean, that's not that's not a normal team. There's no way that any any team that expects to contend has that guy as their closer. Now, I'm not saying you don't have soft toss and lefties in your bullpen, or you know, even guys that. that I mean, like look at Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke's throwing 40 mile an hour changeups. I mean, he's throwing Ethos pitches left and right because he doesn't have a fastball anymore. His fastball is topping. I think I think Valdez actually throws harder than Greinke, but he knows how to pitch. You know, he's a vet and he's getting ground outs and pop-ups or at least he's working through it and he's looked he's looked okay even though the metrics don't like him um but that's a lot of guys on the Orioles team like if you look at it they're they're not loved as far as the statistics go telling you that they're going to be great and you know, oh by the way like just look at all the guys that they keep bringing in the the Jose Iglesias is um the 
you know, Jonathan VRs and, and some of those guys are okay players or even Panzer Alberto. Like they've gone to other teams and outside of VR right now with the Mets, they haven't done anything anywhere else. They've been terrible. So like we fall in love with our own, but realistically everything's been a stopgap when people get upset about losing those guys. No question. No question about it. Jeremy Kahn is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio, Tuesday edition of the show. All right, I had some stuff for you. This one, boy, it's, it's almost not quite as cheeky as I want it to be. I, did, um, you're not a professional wrestling fan. I know that. I am. I used to be. I was like you used a, to be. a wrestling So were you, nerd a, were you a Mick Foley guy by chance? I loved him. Okay, yeah. that's what I figured. I loved. I worshipped at the altar of Mick Foley as a kid. I, I, I was absolutely in love. And when he would do crazy S. It just made me so bloody happy. I happened to watch the, and I've known, I've talked to Mick about it a couple times, and I just happened to be watching the um, the A&E biography on Mick Foley the other night. Good. Oh, it was incredible, wasn't it? It was oh, really yeah, good, watch man. I've, I've watched them all. Of them. They're Dude, all so good. They're all, all so good. You know, and look, I'm, I'm biased because my buddy hosts the show that comes, off, uh, comes on after it, the Most Wanted Treasures show, so, like, I've been just glued to watching these shows every Sunday night for three hours, but, like... Dude, the biography series they've been doing, like they did the the Macho Man, they did the Ultimate Warrior, the Stone Cold, they've all been really good. So I'm watching. I was the telling Mc- the story today about Macho Man when, uh, you know, back in the Sting days when all the fans were wearing masks and they had this setup of all the fake Stings coming in the ring, and then the one dropped down from the the yep. ceiling or the, the yep. rooftop, whatever. Yep. And a fan snuck in, and Macho Man realized it was a fan and beat the ever-loving crap. That was, and that was the rule. Like, back then in wrestling, that was what you did. If a fan tried to do that, you know, I, I'm sure you brought that up because of we've seen all yep. these insane fan situations in, in the NBA recently. But that was the rule in wrestling. If a fan tried to get involved in some way, you kicked the, the absolute F out of them. As a, yep. you, you beat the, to make sure everybody else knew. Like, you, you come in here, you try to make this, you're getting, it ain't just that you're getting arrested or you're getting banned from the building. Like, it might cause you true physical harm for you to come in here. I think lawsuits and things along those lines, they're not supposed to do that anymore. Although, a couple years ago, Bret Hart got inducted to the, the WWE Hall of Fame, and some crazy person ran into the ring and, and speared him. And I was watching some dudes that were in the crowd that are part of his family that aren't on the WWE roster, and they were doing the same thing. Like, they, the cops were carrying the guy out, and these guys were walking up and punching him in the face. Like, we were there that night. We were in Brooklyn for the thing. It was wild. Like, it was wild to see how that played out. But anyway, so the Mick Foley thing airs, and it's a reminder of just just how miserable things got for him later on in life because of all of the insane things that he had done at that portion in his life. Oh, yeah. And it's made me realize, like, that the other wrestling company, AEW, did a match a few months ago. They called it Blood and Guts. That I can't even enjoy anymore. Like, that I can't... When I see, like, dudes just... It's so cringeworthy? Is it, that why? That, it, that's what I'm dealing with, right? Like, I can't watch it. And it also made me think about... Did you read the Johnny Knoxville thing last week? I read part of that article about what his body's gone through and all the stuff that, that's happened to him. I, it's really gotten me to the point where I'm worried that I might not be able to enjoy the next Jackass movie. The, Jackass has given me about as much joy in my life as I, almost anything. Like There are very few things that were consistent for stretches in my life that I can compare to the amount of joy that watching Butterbean kick the snot out of Johnny Knoxville gave me, right? And just the, well, the greatest I, line I, in human history, is Butterbean okay? It's, yeah. it's, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. But now, like, I read about what's happened to Johnny Knoxville, and, and I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to enjoy the next movie in the same way that, like, it's tough for me now to watch wrestling matches because I know what these things did to Mick Foley. 
Well, I, so the one thing that threw me was party boy, Chris Pontius. And I, I still haven't, I have nightmares about this because he, he drank horse semen. Um, and he, he drank that saying, does this get me out of the next one? To which I was going like, what, what's what the on th- earth could be worse right, than that? Right. Like, that, like, what's the next one? Is the next one being gored by a bull? Because I would rather do that than drink horse semen. Yeah, it's probably. Like, I mean, come on, man. Like, some of the stuff they've done on there has just been absolutely insane. But but to your point about wrestling, like, back in the day, I thought we had guys that were really good wrestlers but amazing on the mic. Like, guys didn't get those opportunities. Goldberg was terrible on the mic. Oh, you don't want him on the right. mic. But he was such a visual specimen, and he did his – he was a one-trick pony – Come in, spear guy. I'm stronger than you. Watch me blow smoke. You know, like it was to me, it was very lame, but I get why everybody liked it. Um, but like all the guys, like Kevin Nash wasn't a great wrestler. He was phenomenal on the mic. Yeah. And he had his couple moves that he would do. And I'm not knocking him. Like he's a bigger guy. So some of these guys that are amazing, like Ray Mysterio Jr., got better on the mic as he went along and his English got better. But, but it was a guy that was just amazing in the ring and doing stuff that we've never seen. Um, so. You know, it's it's kind of tough when I watch today. Like, I just think most of these guys, it's either rehash crap or most of these guys are terrible on the mic. So, well, I agree with that. But I'm saying specific. Like, are you are you able to disassociate yourself? Like, I was not the guy that screamed about kickoffs and football and like you're ruining the game because we met too many former players that like mm-hmm. legitimately experienced hell. And there, like, I was the guy that said, no, you know what? I'm actually, I'm, I'm okay with this. Because, you know, we, we, you know, and and maybe it's different for you and I because we had to go out and do these events and see just how awful the situations were for these players, right? Like, and maybe it made it more personal. But I I really am worried about, like, watching. I'm so, I I have spent, like, the idea of them doing another Jackass movie made me so happy. I'm like, God, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a thought back to a time in my life where I had so much sheer joy. And now I'm, like, legitimately concerned that I'm going to try to watch it and say to myself, I'm just at a point in my life where I can't do it any longer. Yeah. Oh, no, don't do that, baby. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> kind of how, you know, even, I mean, you brought up Mick Foley, like watching him wrestle. Like, he, the guy was so good on the mic, he created three different characters. All yep. of them were great. Yep. Um, and you go back to it, there were nights that he would come out multiple times and wrestle, but yeah, I remember the night with all the thumbtacks and he had oh, one stuck in his nose. The Hell in a know? Cell like, match, yes. Yeah. Oh. And, and like the, the hell that he put himself through, and, and the same thing with the Jackass guys. I mean, I, look, I'm a little upset that Bam Margera is not going to be part of this. Yeah, I think they were totally in the right for what they oh, did. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, get, um, get your life together. Yeah, and and it, it just kind of sucks seeing where some of these guys have gone. But I mean, I'm one of those guys that like I like laughing at people that fall on the ice, not necessarily to their face because that seems wrong. But I will turn my head and smile. <laughs> right. You know, like right. and that's you know seeing someone get hit in the nuts. It it makes you laugh as long as it's not you. And and we've uh, it seems selfish, but we've all felt that way. And that's in essence what Jackass has been. But Ultimately, I agree with you. Like, I see how I'm falling apart just by being a weekend warrior playing sports. <laughs> right. and these guys are throwing each other off the top of buildings, you know, uh, hitting each other, uh, surprising each other. It's just, it's crazy to watch, but it's hilarious as hell. I, I know it's true, and I don't doubt that when we actually get there that I'll be able to enjoy it and, dis- and separate myself. But, boy, I don't know, man. Like, I, I almost wish I wouldn't have read the Johnny Knoxville thing last week. Like, I yeah. – yeah, go I'm ahead, a, Paul. I, I am uh... – I'm genuinely concerned about the bull scene. Dude, like, how do you read him talking about the catheters? How do you read that and not have that, like, impact you in some way? Or, like, I... And he kind of laughs it off, too. Like, right. funny about it. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, let's do the next thing. Yeah. 
oh my god, man. I I don't I don't I don't know. All right, so with that in mind, give me the uh the craziest stunt that you were ever a part of, either because of drinking or because there was just a time in your life when you and your boys were trying to pull off crazy stunts. Oh, uh, we did that all the time, especially with wrestling. We would get drunk uh you know, pick somebody out at the party and then beat the crap out of them at the end of the night and write NWO on their back because we were freaking nerds. No. But, oh, but I, my God. And I mean, not, not like physically. We were holding guys down and writing on their backs. So I don't know if there's some Me Too movement against us at this point. There might be. It was, it was all dudes, though. Uh, right. Against yeah. their will. Yeah. Everybody um, knows that's okay. That actually makes it. <laughs> yeah. No, I had an incident, too, where, like, I was drunk and on the front porch and my big buddy was standing off the porch. The porch was probably about six to eight feet high. But uh, there's a banister that goes up that's probably about four feet higher than that. So I'm a good 10 feet off the ground, and I see him walking out there on the sidewalk. And I'm like, I'm coming, dude. Body splash. Where you at? I'm coming. And I, like, I kept faking like I was going. Then I finally went, and my buddy sidestepped me and threw me into the concrete. Yep. So that one didn't feel great. And then I had another time where I was teasing a guy, and he came down and tried to wrestle me. And I put him in the guillotine and just wrapped him up. But as he tackled me falling backwards... My tooth hit a um, uh, what was it like a you know how people have like uh, uh, like wishing wells surrounded uh, by rocks and their yeah, you know, front lawn or like lawn ornaments whatever. My tooth hit a rock and chipped it in half, and I was so mad that I didn't let the guy go. I almost choked him out. Like I, it turned from we're having fun to now I'm angry. Yeah, um, and uh, then they had to pull me off of him. But it, it, we would do that stuff all the time. Just start wrestling. Yeah, and. Um, you know, th- those times come up and then uh, awful, you know, just dumb stuff being at home, like jumping off your roof into the pool, um, and sometimes not making it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we did all kinds of stuff like that as a kid. Yeah. We did a few of those. I also, we would do a bit where, um, somebody, every time we went out, somebody had to find one of the more attractive girls at the party and challenge, like just to see what would happen, challenge, um, their, whoever they're there with to a wrestling match for the young lady's honor, right? <laughs> and typically, it would go over like, what the, what the F are you, you know, like, you know, yeah. the, the bit was more about just to see the reaction than it was the idea that it would actually happen, except for the times where it actually happened. <laughs> and yeah. one of those, I found out I was wrestling an all-state wrestler. Oh, no. oh nice. Uh, there was a blackout involved, and I woke up the next day, and my neck hurt really badly. And I said, dude, why am I so messed up? And they were like, well, maybe the part where you got slammed in the ground by the dude that you challenged to a wrestling match <laughs> over his chick. Like, maybe that has something to do with it. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Dude, that stuff's hilarious. And, and you know, I, I maybe I told this story in the air. When I got fired from WNST, uh, I had, like, a severance paycheck. And I went out with my dodgeball team. <laughs> that that makes Wednesday one of night. us. Yeah, well, so <laughs> I got, so guys, let me give you the best part of it. Uh, I was The first time I ever asked for tickets, I was taking my mom to a Ravens game. And I was we were actually talking about it this morning on the morning show off the air. But um, I got fired that week right before. So there was two envelopes. There was an envelope with a severance check with the full amount in it. And then there was one with Ravens tickets in it where I was charged full price for the tickets. Oh, I mean, yeah. on the on, on, like, I thought it was something where I'd be given because it's, you know, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been working there for yeah. seven years or whatever, yeah. and I worked for you'd, free you'd, for an entire year, by the way. You'd think that, um, wouldn't you? Yeah, so then I ended up accepting the tickets and didn't realize I'd be sitting next to the boss that fired no. me uh, oh, for the entire Ravens no. game, to which I was just staring him down, wondering if I should just 
do I do I you know do I turn around and try to rough the cat up or what? Yeah, kind of, right. I wasn't going to do anything like that. But I was angry the entire time. Well, of course you um, were. <laughs> How could but, you? I couldn't have done that. I would have said uh, I'm good. Oh, it was awful, man. Like yeah. you're, you're sitting there, you're 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 so damn angry about everything. But the point being is, I got that check, and so I went out, and there was a girl on the dodgeball team I really liked. So I just started buying shots for everyone, and wasting the entire check, yep. which I needed, by the way. Yeah, of course um, you did. Because <laughs> I made no money. That's you know, yeah. that was the point of it. Yeah. I worked. Uh, 70 hours a week and made no money in radio. But the, the fact of the matter is um, I ended up getting so drunk. I had three car bombs and a buttery nipple. And I'm talking, I had three car bombs in six minutes. It just sounds like a Tuesday for you, though, really. <laughs> yeah, well, back in the day, but yeah. I blacked out. And apparently, I was in great shape, too. I was, I was in the gym every day. Apparently, I took my, somebody found me, like, flexing my abs in the mirror. I was at Nick's Fish House, by the way. So if you've seen the bathrooms, you've walked around, you know where it's at. Classy. And then I proceeded to challenge every woman to an arm wrestling match. And when her guy, like when the boyfriend, or the Andy Kaufman, would speak up, what's that? What are you, Andy Kaufman? Yeah, dude, it was so funny because I'm challenging every woman to an arm wrestling match, and then the boyfriends would be like, "I'll arm wrestle you." I was like, "What? She can't stand up for herself, <laughs> tough guy." You know, like, and so the whole bit was going on. Only one guy got really mad. I did beat three women in arm wrestling, so I was three and zero. I mean, um, retired but, as champion. Yeah, and then I blacked out. So <laughs> good for me. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Well, like my buddy drove me home, and he said he was worried that my head was going to break uh, his window because I kept like lobbing back and forth to boom, boom, my head hitting his window, and he kept grabbing me while he was driving. I was so out of it. My uh, my aunt recently admitted to me. She said, "Glenn, I got to be honest with you. There were times where I didn't know if you would make it to this age." She said, but in fairness, there were times I didn't know if your father was going to make it to this age. There were times I didn't know if your uncle was going to make it to this age. I guess this is just sort of how this works. So what, do you think you're going to get Munson out in the middle of nowhere? Yes, like, I, I, mean... I don't know exactly what she thought was going to happen. <laughs> but Jesus, man. All right, uh, what's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Uh, we got, I mean, all three of us are in. So, like, I know some guy. like, we, some of us had some time off. So, uh, we'll obviously be talking about the Orioles. You know, the NFL stuff opens up today with, Guys that are going to be cut, could yep. be traded, and, and freeing up some money. So I think there might be some big news later this afternoon or Perhaps the at Julio some point thing. this week. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if that comes to a head. and um, You know, so a lot of that and, of course, NBA and NHL playoffs. All right. At Jeremy Kahn, 1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. Pressboxonline.com is where you see all of his picks. Jeremy Kahn, appreciate it, pal. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks, man. See you. Jeremy Kahn joining us as he does every week here on GCR. Brian Powell says he bet the uh, Helio Castroneves to win the Indy 500 at plus 3,300 odds. Brian, how much money did you make? Did, I mean, did you bet? I, that would seem to be that you're, you know, you could afford to take us all out for dinner tonight. It would seem to be the case if you really bet Helio Castroneves at 3,300 plus 3,300. If you put any money down at all, I would think that you would be. Feeling quite good today. Feeling quite good if that were the case. Maybe make a nice donation to the Helping Up Mission or something. You know, I have no idea how sports betting works. Oh, are you not? You don't gamble at all? I, I don't get the, the the extent of my gambling is basically fantasy football every year. I have no idea what these plus thirty three. Are you are you interested now that it's going to be legal? Is it no. something that you could see yourself? I have zero interest in losing money for nothing. I see now I understand that. And I'm still gonna choose to do it sometimes, but um, I am. It was something that for a long time I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting involved in this. It's just going to set up. I have learned to not go crazy with it. That it's like everything else. As long as I, 
I accept like I when I win, I don't cash out. I just just say, hey, there's gonna be a bad day coming. And I would only cash out if I get to a certain amount in the account. Like if I get to X dollars, I'll cash out half of X, right? And I'll take half of that as money. Otherwise, this is just for entertainment. Otherwise, this is just have money in the account, try to have some fun with it. Tonight, I will be far more interested in the Nuggets Blazers game because Jeremy just had me bet a bunch of money on the Nuggets Blazers game than I otherwise would have been, right? So I'll have an amount of interest tonight in watching the Blazers game that I wouldn't have had otherwise. No, th- it's I, not going to be the end of the world to me. It's why I only ever, I'll never, I'm, I don't bet any more than $200 a time because that'll make the account empty quick. Like, I, I, I don't have, have that much money in the account. I've betted, I, I've had a bet with a friend where it's like 50 bucks says this team no, wins. Brian says he didn't bet that much on it, so he got like 400 bucks. That's a bummer. It's a bummer you didn't put down a more sizable bet. So nice to have four hundred bucks that you didn't have otherwise. Yeah, it, it, it's not. It makes games more entertaining. So it's nice to have. I, I've done it where I have fifty bucks riding on a game just on the outright winner, and it makes me more yep. into that game. Yep. But anything more than that, and doing that more than once in a given period. Oh, of time, there's no doubt. There's got to be a limit to it for me. Yeah. I can't. I can't. If once I get there, there's no joy any longer because the fear is so much more crippling. I can only yeah. bet to a point where, like, if I lose, I'm just gonna say. Eh. You know, it would. It's a bummer. You know, it's a. But life will go on, and it, none of it to me. It's almost like it's not my money. This was entertainment money that I put in, and it's entertaining me, and that's all that it's really doing. Oh man, that's I wish I wish I had the luxury. It of ain't entertainment. You're money. saying that it ain't that much, man. <laughs> it ain't that much. I'm not in that tax bracket. All right, um, a couple of things. One, today's show also brought to you by our friends at Glory Days Grill. If you got a little entertainment money, I would encourage you to get over to your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. They are still celebrating their 25th anniversary, and you get the spoils because they've got an amazing menu for you, including the smoky thigh wings, including the strip steak sandwich, the barbecue chicken bowl with the ancient grains. It is so good. The Turtle Cheesecake, the Silver Anniversary IPA, all available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Glorydaysgrill.com is the website to find out more. We'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit. Uh, Paul did a tidbit today. I'm looking forward to that. We'll get Tubular to wrap it up. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Lawyers Insurance Studio. Hey, this is Chris Rowland from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigands Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkham and Dave Teeth. Jeremy Kahn will be in the Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A- financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. 
Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window plus put no money down make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com tell them glenn clark sent you window nation the perfect fit the latest edition of press box is available now on the cover luke jackson profiles top orioles pitcher john means and the role new pitching coach chris holt is taken with means and the entire organization inside matt kremnitzer reflects on nick markakis's career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. Oh, back in here as we wind down from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio for a Tuesday edition of the program. Today's show has also been brought to you by uh, Window Nation. Man, this offer is unbelievable at Window Nation. 50% off all styles of windows. And it's not just that. It's that you don't have to pay it right now. In fact, you don't have to pay any of it for two years. And when I say you don't have to pay any of it, there's no catch. No money down, no payments, and no interest. For two full years. Well, for windows that were already 50% off. I, I don't know how they're doing it. It's not my business. A lot of people that are doing a lot of gouging right now in the world. This is literally the opposite of that. So if you've been thinking about it, you've been putting it off, now is the time. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you when you call Window Nation, 866-90NATION, or visit windownation.com. Window Nation is the perfect fit. From Dominic, uh, I don't always agree with Hyde's in-game moves, but I think you ride it out with him for now. Everyone understood what he was taking on when he took the job. Now, if he loses the clubhouse, that might be another story. I don't think that's happened. I, Dominic, and, and again, that's the part, I think that's the part that, that bleeds into why it is that managers don't typically survive these things. But my response would still be like, to me, this isn't the clubhouse. Like, if I had to choose between Brandon Hyde and these players, I wouldn't feel strongly about these players 
I get the argument you don't feel strongly about. That's why you in these situations, you always choose the players over the manager, right? Well, like, what players are you choosing over the manager? These aren't the players. These are just guys. And again, I agree with you. I don't think we have anything that suggests that he's lost the clubhouse or that the guys don't like him. The players are just bad. They're just yeah. largely bad baseball players. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just not worked up about it. Uh, he did follow up to say the other question is who's out there that would be better if you're going to change managers. Uh, you generally want to get someone better. Well, you're not, you know, you wouldn't be hiring. The Orioles would not be hiring their next full-time manager today. Like, I get they did that once upon a time with Buck where they hired him in season and he ended up being the guy that stuck around. But the overwhelmingly, the way you go about doing this is if you make a change, you just... If Brandon High gets fired, Freddie Gonzalez yes, becomes... Yes, you just have uh, Freddie Gonzalez manage the team for the rest of the season and then you deal with it when the year is over. It would be extraordinarily unlikely that they would hire a manager before the season ends. So I, I don't think that part of it is all that relevant in making that decision. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you today by... Ooh, this one is brought to you by... Ooh, Tucker Fest coming up June 27th at Jerry's Toyota. Going to be a great day with the greatest kicker of all time. The event itself is free. It's a great excuse for you to put your purple on. If you missed being at games last year and hanging out with a bunch of people, you can put your purple on. It's going to be a festival, a free family fun festival for Baltimore football fans. There's going to be live music all day. Joey Harkum, Dave Teef. Remember him from Laughing Colors? He's great. See him over at Jimmy's all the time. Um, of course, there's also going to be a cornhole tournament that you can be a part of at uh, Jerry's that day. There's going to be great prizes. There's going to be the dunk tank. Raising money for the Brigance Brigade. Our guy, Jeremy Kahn, you just heard him. He's stepped up to the plate. He said, I'll hop in the dunk tank. You can try to knock me in if you want. You know, he's done, clearly, he's done more drastic things than that, so we can't be all that surprised. This is going to be a great day. And on top of that, you can meet the greatest kicker of all time. Now, those, that meet and greet is a $50 ticket for a picture and an autograph. And you say, boy, that seems, that seems heavy. But understand, that money is the money we're raising for the Brigance Brigade. That's the point. You're really making a donation that day. And because of your donation, you get to meet Justin Tucker. I need you to think about it more along those lines instead of why would, that's the point. The point is Justin Tucker's doing it to raise the money for the Brigance Brigade. So this is, you know, you don't get to do this every day. Well, you get to have this family fun free festival, and then you get to meet the greatest kicker of all time, all because of a $50 donation to the Brigance Brigade. Seems like a win to me. Great8smemorabilia.com is the website with the number eight, great8smemorabilia.com. Get your tickets for the meet and greet right there. While you're there, you'll find out about their other great events, their private signings they're doing with Joe Flacco and Anquan Bolden and more other great events that are coming later in the summer. Um, they got Tyus Bowser coming out, the Jimmys for a big event. They got a lot of the rookies, the draft picks, are going to be hanging out at the State Fair this year. There's a lot of great events coming up. Great8smemorabilia.com to find out more. Laughing Colors, I saw them with the Low Life at the Record Theater. Yep. About 15 years ago. And I have wow. to tell you. Wow. That was the drunkest I have ever been in my uh, in my entire life. We had to pull over and let me throw up in some random person's wow. front yard. Wow, you really were. I uh, I'm not I'm a non-smoker. I smoked an entire pack of cigarettes <laughs> that night, including uh, probably three or four backwards. Was it was it something that someone told you to do to like try to? My buddies were drinking so I can't drink Southern Comfort by the uh, way anymore. Yeah. My buddies had a big had a, had a handle 
of Southern Comfort, and I drank eight double shots of double shots of Southern Comfort before we went to the Wrecker. The fact that I even remember seeing either band perform is remarkable. I, I mean, I don't know how you do. I had uh, first of all, I'm glad the Wrecker's back because I have a lot of oh, phenomenal. It, it's back. It's back. I had it's no back. idea. It's in the same spot. In the same spot. Wow. They've changed it back. It's just called the Wrecker. It's no longer the Wrecker Theater. It's just the Wrecker. But they're bringing in bands again, like they're doing, you know, they, they had Kelly Kelly Bell, who I probably saw 20 times at the Record Theater back in the day, played the first show to reopen it. I saw Shinedown at the Record at, Theater. I saw them once at the Auto Bar of all the random spots, where they were opening for a band called Tantric that I loved. And I sh- loved Tantric. Shinedown was only kind of barely on the radar at that mm-hmm. point. And there was a snowstorm that day. And so there were only like 10 of us that showed up for the show. Oh, man. They didn't cancel it. I still can't believe they didn't cancel it. The show went on, and the dude was just like, what do you want to do? Like, there's 10 of us here. Do you want us to just start playing some random stuff? Like, they were just talking to us in between. They played the show. It was awesome. It was great. For, for my money, Brent Smith, lead singer of Shinedown, best front man in the business. He is. I think he's talented. I think he, he's a he's really talented absolutely dude. Absolutely fantastic. I, I I did not stay with Shinedown the way that a lot of people did. Like I did not, you know. But I enjoyed them. Like I enjoyed their tunes. I thought they were good, and they were great dudes, man. Like we were. Uh, I guess he was married to the daughter of one of the guys from Leonard Skinnerd. And so that was the story of why they did Simple Man. Oh, was I know that. like it was to honor his uh, his his father in law. I think was the story. But like we had never heard him do it until that night, and he was just like, "Hey man, I've been messing around with this. You guys want to hear me do it?" Like it was just that's awesome because it was such a laid back. Like there were so few of us that were in the crowd for this, and I say ten, it might have been thirty. I don't, you know, like it was not. There weren't more than a hundred people at the auto bar that night to the point where he literally invited us all to come upstairs afterwards and do shots with him. Like, Sh- Shine Down loves Baltimore. They love. I know they got a ton of play from '98 Rock. Well, the, their know, their like, video for their very first single ever, "Fly from the Inside." Yeah. Uh, is shot from a 98 rock show. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's yeah. in Baltimore. That's yeah. their video for that for their first ever single. Um uh I'm no, I'm really happy that the record's back cuz I had I like I you know, it's funny you bring up being a drunk. My my lifelong best friend who unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, one of the more, more emotional stories we have is he got he got so hammered the day of a Jimmy's Chicken Shack show. And Jimmy's Chicken Shack like to people of a certain age around here means a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I probably saw Jimmy's Chicken Check 150 times, and we'll still go see them the next time. You know what I mean? Like, Jimmy and I are still tight, and I, I love those guys. But one night, they were playing at the Wrecker, and my buddy was you. Like, he got so hammered, he couldn't stand up. Yeah. And they were kicking him out. And I literally said, like, we, we, I don't know, these nights just meant a lot. We love these nights. I said, I'll hold him up the entire night if you just let him stay. The bouncers are like, you literally will have to bear hug him. You have to have your arms wrapped around him so he's not falling on people. He's not. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And this is my best friend. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, you when you know how these things go when you get drunk and you have your actual friends that are there with you. They're there with you for the fight. And so I was like, man, I'll do it. And so we spent the entirety of the show. I was bear hugging my best friend. So that we would like be able to uh, stick it through and see all of Jimmy's Chicken Shack that oh, night. Man. That that was that was a, that ruined two days for me. Oh, I don't doubt it. it yeah, ruined I don't two doubt whole it. days yeah, right? for me. But the stories are great. Years later, yeah, years <laughs> later, the stories are great. I don't look back on that memory fondly. It was when I got introduced to the Low Life. Their lead singer actually passed away a few years ago. I think too. I remember that actually. I yeah. think I remember that. I like them a, a great yeah, deal. A lot. Too. They were really yeah, good. They were really good. 
All right, man, tidbit. What you got? All right. So I didn't bother looking up the stats from 2010 to 2020 because that would have taken forever. Somebody had already done the work Shameful. for me. Shameful that you but, wouldn't do that. So the Orioles are in the middle of a 14-game losing streak. Uh, so from well, Where did you hear that? Uh, <laughs> just randomly. Um, from 1980 to 2009, 93 teams posted 10-plus game losing streaks. Uh, and this isn't the trivia, but how many of those teams do you think finished above 500? Uh, in those seasons for the year, for the year, uh, one ten. Really, there were ten of those ninety-three teams that 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 lost, lost ten plus games in the season and still finished with a winning record. I'm surprised to hear that. And of those ten teams, only one made the playoffs. Okay, maybe maybe that makes more sense. Maybe yeah. that's okay. The nineteen eighty-two Atlanta Braves lost eleven games in a row at one point and still so, managed to make the playoffs. Okay. okay. So that's that was interesting. That's that interesting. Was, that was an interesting. I don't think the Orioles are going to make the playoffs. For what no, it's but in case you want some hope, I want to say now that I think about it, didn't didn't the Moneyball Athletics team have like a really long losing streak? Early no, they the had year? a really I know long they had the winning streak. streak. I know they had that, but I thought they had in the beginning portion of the year a long losing they, streak. They were they were well under five hundred at right. one point in that. But season. they didn't have. Like I, a, I, I'm not sure. I'd have to look okay. into that. All but right. they they um no well they couldn't have because they were in that time span from 1980 to 2009. Oh, they weren't. And they, they weren't one they of the winning the teams, playoffs. and they didn't That's make the playoffs. All right, fair enough. Yep, you're right. All right. Um, let's see. I have, you know what, my tidbit, or not my, my tidbit, my trivia is in a screenshot, so I can Oh, I would kill it. Kyle over this. I would kill him. Well, I would murder him for not being prepared. I, I'm, I'm not going to do that to you. I am I am prepared. All right. Last Sunday, Adam Wainwright through eight innings of one hit, no run, seven whiff ball against the Cubs. This is from Jason Stark. Okay. All right. At age 39. That's remarkable. Only four other starting pitchers have had a game like that at Wainwright's age or older since 1900. Four. Who are they? Well, I'm assuming Nolan Ryan is one of them. He's one. Who else pitched that well past 39? All it takes is one. Past 39. Randy Johnson. Two. I uh, only because I'm gonna Jamie Moyer. Nope. You get what I was doing there though. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. He pitched until he was about 48 years old. Yeah. Negro. Nope. When you realize who it is, it's gonna be a pretty obvious one. <sighs> pretty obvious one. Since 1900, you Since say? Since 1900. So, like, is it Cy Young? He's another one. That wasn't the one I was going to say was obvious. That was the one I didn't think you'd get. Okay. I mean, but that's just doing, that's, it's just a. Yeah. So, there's one more. I honestly thought that was the one that was obvious because you're like, look at the name, the Cy Young Award after him. No, no. Th- this one, one when, if you don't get it and I tell you. Oh, you're Roger be... Clemens. Roger yeah. Clemens. Yeah, Roger that's Clemens. That's the other sure. one. Sure. All right. That makes sense. So that's well, those were all kind of obvious, actually, now that we. Not, not all obvious, but like, they were guys that I associate with. I don't really associate Cy Young specifically with pitching past 40, but the rest of the guys I associate with pitching past 40. Right. And Cy Young I associate with great pitching. So, you know. I have another just interesting fact. Well, why not? We're here. We have nowhere to go. How many cows does it take to provide all the leather needed for the amount of footballs used in an NFL season? How is this a stat that exists? (laughs) Um, I randomly found this trying to find trivia and a tidbit last night. so random. Um, How many cows? A hundred cows. 3,000 cows for, for are needed for all the footballs used in one NFL season. 
This is staggering number. It's it, it's I, it's my I can't believe Peta hasn't that put a stop yeah, to Yeah, I was going to say that ain't great. That ain't great. And Yikes. I also 36 footballs are needed for an outdoor game okay. and 24 are needed for an indoor game. What? Just I guess they assume that the elements do certain damage to the football. Yes. Yeah. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. That is a very interesting. That's that is a random ass statistic. Paul <laughs> Valley. That is random as hell. Good stuff though. Very. Took good me tidbit. two hours to find all this information. Very, very well done, sir. All right. Tidbit was also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. The guys had off last night because of the holiday, but Stan and Gary will be back with you tomorrow night. They're going to be getting re- getting ready for the Belmont, which is on Saturday. Gabby Gaudet, um, who used to be here at Pimlico, and I actually don't know where Gabby is nowadays, but love her. She's been great working with the odds. She's going to join them to talk about the Belmont, talk about all of the craziness of the the Bob Baffert situation that, you know, as I assumed, has kind of just gone away. We've kind of just forgotten. For all of the outrage, we've just kind of all forgotten about that. But that'll be tomorrow night, uh, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, and you'll be able to find it on Thursday at pressboxonline.com. Stan Shows, as always, brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. Right now, that phone number to reach C3 American Exteriors and get your free analysis is 410-401-9797, or you can go to c3america.com. Tubular brought to you by this print issue of Pressbox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox and read it all. Pressboxonline.com. It's got John Means on the cover. Go check it out today. Here's what's coming up tonight. Totally tubular. The Orioles do indeed try again to snap the funk. They've lost 14 in a row. They try to avoid number 15 tonight. They've got um, uh, Bruce Zerman on the mound against Michael Pineda, who, as Jeremy pointed out, he's got a thing for giving up some long balls. We'll see. 7 o'clock, Masson 2 for that. Masson Nationals, Braves, 720, FS1, White Sox Indians at 6, MLB Network, Angels, Giants at 930. Coverage of the French Open continues right now on the Tennis Channel. NBCSN, Lightning Hurricanes, Game 2 at 730. TNT's got Celtics Nets, Game 5 at 730. I'm, of course, invested in Lakers-Suns Game 5 tonight at 10. That series tied up two games apiece. NBA TV, Blazers-Nuggets Game 5. I'm suddenly invested in that one, too. Uh, That's at 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, ESPN's got the Phoenix Mercury and Chicago Sky at 8.30. ESPN 2, Indiana Fever, Seattle Storm at 10.30. All right, sir. Oh, and, uh, of course, the USA Network for WWE NXT with uh, my buddy AJ Francis, a.k.a. Top Dollar, tonight as well. Paul Valley. Great to have you in here today. Remind everybody where people can follow you on social media and the bat around. Uh, at Paul Valley the third, it's just Paul Valley three eyes after yeah, that. I, 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 yeah. Paul Valley I I I on Twitter. Uh, you can catch the bat around every Saturday morning right here at Press Box uh, from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. I will actually not be on the show this week. I'm going on a golf trip oh. uh, with my father and a where couple of buddies. Uh, my dad lives at on Bayside, the golf course okay. that Jack Nicholas designed. Mm-hmm. So we play there Thursday, River Run sat, uh, Friday, Sounds and right. OC Golf Newport Bay on Saturday. It's a nice little trip. Yeah, so we do this every year. My buddies are coming in from Pittsburgh. So Zach Goodman will be hosting the show this week with uh, guest host Ryan Blake. Our guests are not locked down yet, but they will be probably by tomorrow night, hopefully. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Real quick, you gave me a live read this past week for, I believe it was for Glenn Clark Radio, and you had two different names in there. They were like 13, 14 letters long. Oh, yeah, Kenny Amatololo was on last week. Who else was on last? There was somebody else. And I do, sometimes I, I try to remember to spell it out phonetically for you, but then I'm like, I feel like he would know that one. Well, so I got... 
the name that I mispronounced was uh, Gabby Galdet. That oh, was, that's yeah. a name that I mispronounced. I uh, called her Galdet. Yeah, right. I should have known that that was that one was a little bit tricky. That was that the one, one was a little bit tricky. I just felt like I Gal Gadot, Gabby Galdet. Uh, you know what? Not yeah. bad. I get where your head was at. Yeah, and so of all these impossible names. I mispronounced called Hang on. What was the other one that was on last week? There was oh Dave Petromala was last week. I don't know if that one was it was yeah, I thought I thought these were ones that were pretty common that people knew about just because. But yeah, Gabby Godet's tough. That I get that. I get that. All right. Appreciate you being in here today. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it was fun. Always enjoy coming on. If you missed um, Xavier Scruggs or Jeremy Khan, we'll get those up in the greatest hits section. You want to do the thing of the? Do you know what the bid is? I do not. I'm it's sorry. A, he says archives. Glenclarkradio.com. <laughs> um, Zach's going to be in with us the rest of the week tomorrow. Drew Forrest will check in. I guess Rick will call the Belmont. Oh, I'm sorry. And um, Patrick Stevens, stuff and things tomorrow as well. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, ExxonMobil, K&S Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Great Eights Memorabilia, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealers, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Kyle Ottenheimer for, you know, being him. Sad, lonely man. Follow Paul. He's not sad and lonely, but follow Kyle, too, at K. Ottenheimer. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go, birds. Maybe end this thing at some point. (laughs) Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.